Friday, August the 13th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said. Friday the 13th. Always a spooky, scary day. We're going to turn it into a a good weekend here. We're going to try to make some money for you. And uh, we'll help get you set up for the NFL season. And we'll talk a little wrestling. So an action-packed episode of That's What G Said podcast with some Friday and Saturday racing. We'll talk Saratoga and Del Mar for Friday. Best bets. Actually, Del Mar will really rattle through the whole card. And uh, Saturday, we'll get to Saratoga, Del Mar. Some thoughts on uh, Arlington. It looks like it's going to be the final Arlington Million. They have four graded stakes races on the card. We'll get through those. And then we get to wrestling with Chad Cooper. All the news, SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and AEW with the Rampage starting up on Friday. This episode of That's What G Said is brought to you by BetterThan.Vegas at BTVBets on Twitter. This is a website that gives you free content every single day. Tons of handicappers and gamblers from around the world will post videos each day with their plays, the games they're wagering on, the props, the team totals, the sides, and we're talking all different sports from all around the world. Great information. And it's all free. They have a weekly contest where if you want to post some videos for free, it'll help you gain some followers. Um, You'll be able to share the information and the content that you create. Or if you're just someone who plays some games or races for fun, when you post wagers on there, better than Dot Vegas will calculate all the wagers and whoever has the best week gets 250 bucks. I just won last week for the second time. It doesn't cost you anything to enter. And anyone can can post their videos. So, free content. Free contests. When you follow on Twitter at BTV Bets every day, they have giveaways. They'll post a, a parlay or some sort of a prop wager. And all you have to do is follow, retweet, help share the polls, vote in the polls, and then one person selected for the giveaway. So everything is free. They give away money. They give away information. They give away money with the weekly showdown and the their uh, Twitter handle. So better than dot Vegas. I will have baseball plays all weekend long, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Make sure to give me a follow. It's me, Gino B, on Twitter. I'll post the link for my videos to better than dot Vegas. You could subscribe to my page there, so that way, anytime I post a video at better than Vegas, it will immediately be sent to you. And we're going to get into NFL in just a minute with Eric. We're going to get into our NFC previews, but a couple other things I wanted to bounce around in the world of sports. If you didn't get a chance to watch, they had the game at the Field of Dreams on Thursday night. It was incredible. I'm a big baseball fan. If you're a baseball fan, if you're a fan of the movie and you didn't get a chance to look, go back and check out some of the footage. Visually, it was incredible. Shout out to a couple of my buddies who were there, Matt LaRussa, Pat Conway. Matt was actually doing some of the production there for Fox, and uh, Pat was a Yankee fan, hanging out. So, the the ambiance, uh, only 7,800 people there, but the, the field was built right next to the field that was in the movie, and the, the house they filmed the movie, Field of Dreams. So... There's a little walkway from that field all the way to the field that the, the Yankees and the White Sox played on. 
And before the game, Kevin Costner came out, looked around, said, Is this heaven? They were recreating um, a, a lot of moments from the movie, playing music, playing um, clips of scenes from the movie throughout the game. It was a really cool feel. And I give baseball a lot of crap and Rob Manfred a lot of crap for just, they, they don't do things like this. I thought this was really cool. The game ended up being great. Uh, the, the field was sort of small, so there were a lot of home runs. Ended up a, a walk-off home run. The White Sox win. It, Costner sat with uh, with Buck and Smoltz for like a full inning, talking a lot about the movie, baseball, just different things in general. It it was really fun. So big shout out to uh, to baseball for a cool experience they had on TV with that Field of Dreams game. They've already locked in that they're going to do it next year, and why not have a couple of them, right? Maybe one or do a series or, uh, you know, the, the, the I do like the idea, though, of keeping it once or twice and not, not overdoing it, but yeah, make this at least a staple. Maybe next year it's the two teams from the World Series that you have, have a rematch in the middle of the year or something like that. That would be kind of cool. Field of Dreams. A couple uh, things to note in basketball. Ka- Kawhi resigns four years, $176 million max deal. Now, keep in mind, he's probably not going to play this year. I mean, he could. Partially torn ACL. And just think about how he generally treats rehab. He's never one to push it. So, I guess it all depends. If the Clippers are in a situation where they're, you know, they look like they're going to be a playoff team and, and have a legitimate chance um, in a playoff series, then maybe he's someone that Maybe he, he pushes it and, and comes back a little bit more. But he, the Clippers had to do this. Any team with Kawhi had to do this because if they didn't, somebody else would. But it really does put you in a tough spot because now this is a guy who will now be playing. This will be his third year coming up with the Clippers. And you've got him missing the end of last year and basically missing this year. So that's two years of the three when you really needed him, he wasn't there. And again, again, this is all we'll see. Maybe he does come back earlier and I'll be the first to uh, to applaud him and, and say, wow, but again, if it's like a serious injury, is he going to try to push it? We'll see. But the Clippers have locked down Kawhi for a while, so, you know, this is really good news for the Clippers. Yeah, maybe you're nervous because he's not there and you, injury-wise, but this stamps you... You know when he's playing as a title contender, and they were so good without him last year. They bring back Paul George and Reggie Jackson, Batum, Ibaka, Justice Winslow. So the Clippers and Kawhi agree to a four-year deal. I believe it's a thirty-six million dollar deal a piece. So I mean, thirty-six million was what he declined. So he will now. T- uh, Instead of signing a two-year, $82 million deal, he yeah he opted for this one. So Kawhi, one of the absolute best when he's healthy, and he'll be a clipper for a while. We'll see if he's able to come back this year. Bummer to hear that Jalen Green, the rookie, who had looked really good, he scored 61 points in his first 70 summer league minutes. Um, he left a game with a sore hamstring. But he's going to have a precautionary MRI. So fingers crossed for him because he looked really good through just a few games. Next up, NFL talk. So if you missed part one of our NFL previews on 
Uh, that's what G said podcast last week. We went through every AFC team, team by team in alphabetical order. And now Eric is going to join me again for the NFC. We start with the Arizona Cardinals, team by team. What are their uh, over-unders, uh, their their lines, some parts of their schedule that we like. We go through it. Rosters, players that we like for fantasy, coaching information, schemes, all sorts of uh, stuff that we have found out, the stuff that we've read through, handicapped, look for, for uh, plays that we might make. Hour and over an hour and a half or so getting through the NFC here. Eric Etoff, 2 1 Sports, joins me for a, a nice long NFC preview. Enjoy. We are back with part two of That's What G Said NFL team by team previews with Eric Etoff, 2 1 Sports, joins us uh, again. If you missed part one of uh, the preview, no problem. Just go back and uh, check it out on uh, the last episode. Of That's What G Said podcast, we went through every team in the AFC, starting alphabetically with the Baltimore Ravens, and we're going to do the same thing now in the NFC. We're going to start with the Arizona Cardinals. We'll talk about their team total, their over-under, what the projected total is that you could bet on in Vegas. We'll go through their schedule. We'll talk about their roster, some acquisitions, maybe any news that they have, coaching stuff, fantasy uh, players to play or to play against. A little bit of anything that we think is important about each of these teams as we get through them. Eric, uh, joining me uh, again. Eric, buddy, how's everything going, man? Uh, Going good. You know, it's a little hot here in Chicago and had a couple of tornadoes in the area, but surviving, so no no complaints. Oh, that's always nice. A little tornado, a little little twister uh, as uh, we get just a few weeks out from the NFL. I think you and I are recording this on Tuesday. Hard Knocks is going to start tonight. That's always kind of like an unofficial start. We had the first preseason game last week also. I think right um, right around when you and I were recording it, a day or two after we had. So uh, now we're in camps, and it seems like there's this big information coming through now Um Every single day there's a team that we're going to talk about today That uh, doesn't have some great info coming out of their camp in the Saints And it's kind of a a time where if you're a fantasy player You're probably going to be drafting in the next Probably like two weeks usually Or when a lot of the drafts are or so from now So depending on what kind of a league you're in You're going to be drafting in the next month So you really got to start paying attention now to you know, day to day news. You know, any kind of a player. If your if your te- leagues have already drafted, if something happens and there's an injury, is there someone that you can add? You know, and, and before anyone else does, and uh, always be paying attention because the the quicker and the you know, if you have uh, people on Twitter that you can follow, some of the beat writers for some of the teams and stuff, or player or uh, certain certain writers or uh, reporters that do a great job, you might want to turn their uh, alerts on. Whatever those things are, Eric. You know, we all have the the ways that we best pay attention. Yeah, you, I mean, there's some really good beat writers there. I'm not going to lie. I have one Twitter account that is just strictly NFL beat writers. And I find one from each team that I like. And I set up mm-hmm. my notifications, like you said. And anytime whoever it is tweets something out, I get it right on my phone. And I'm able to do whatever adjustments I need to make for uh, for fantasy. So, uh, yeah, just a little little overall reminder before we get into the NFC we're going to start with Arizona Cardinals and we're going to go alphabetically. I believe I've seen Arizona in the range of like 8 for their projected over under this year, Eric. And I got to say, this is a team that you know, the more I watch them, I just I don't like Cliff Kingsbury as a coach, uh, as a head coach. 
I think he has a places like um, either I don't know even if it's an offensive coordinator, but um, definitely as someone. He he can design plays well, and he seems to have a really good repertoire with quarterbacks and getting them to like get the most out of quarterbacks and and his players when they run his offense. But I'll tell you, he's terrible at like big decisions: when to kick, when to go for it, when to punt or kick a field goal. Um, all the really important coaching decisions, he just doesn't seem like he makes the right one. I don't know what their wide receiver room is going to be like this year now. Um, I'm not. I'm kind of curious what you think, if anything, you'll get from AJ Green there. But Christian Kirk didn't really take the step forward last year. Um, you know, maybe with Edmonds and and Connor, they'll have a, a nice backfield to go along with Murray. But I know I start looking through their schedule and they they lost some games last year that on paper really looked like they should have won. They got really hot and then when games started to matter, they struggled down the stretch. And they're not in the easiest of divisions where they're going to have to play multiple games every year, you know, against, you know, the Rams, against the 49ers and uh, against Seattle. So that's not that's not easy for them. What do you think about the Cardinals? My thing with the Cardinals is I think they made one of the best free agent acquisitions when they brought in Hudson, the center from. Las Vegas Raiders, I think having him there is just going to immediately make the offensive line better. Because we have to remember, toward the end of the season, Kyler Murray had that shoulder injury, and he stopped running because he was afraid to get hit. And when you take the dual threat out of Kyle Murray, he's not that good of a quarterback. He's not that top-tier quarterback yep. guy. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, it's his second year with him, and it's crazy. Like Everyone is like, oh, he had a down year last year. He scored 287 fantasy points in PPR and was averaging 18 <laughs> points a game. Yeah, And people are considering that a down year. I'm not going to lie. In my fantasy rankings, I had him one. But then when Rodgers yeah, resigned, I bumped him down to two just because Rodgers' love affair with Adams. Um, I really don't think the issue is going to be the offense. I think the issue is going to be the defense. They have Vance Joseph as their defensive coordinator. And they play that goddamn wide nine where the defensive ends are just wide out. And it forces the linebackers to come up to make to stop the gaps and it's really easy to run against and when you look at you're going against the Shanahan run system a McVay run system and Seattle with Chris Carson they're going to switch to a more of an outside zone this year you're facing two three good teams three good running teams and with the defense you play and the linebackers Isaiah Simmons and Collins like here for Tulsa being really inexperienced I just think defensively you're up against it this year and you're not really giving your team a chance to succeed, even though your offense is ready to succeed. Um, the wide receiver room, I think Christian Kurtz, nothing more than a field stretcher, home run yep, hitter. I agree. AJ Green's definitely going to be in that number two role. God only knows. I don't understand why Larry Fitzgerald hasn't just announced his retirement yet. That's a little weird to me. Um, and I think, I think Hopkins is going to have a huge, um, a huge season. They I mean, don't get but, much from the tight end either. You know, they don't really have like a big pass catching tight end either. And so there's not a lot of depth in their wide receiver room either. So this does feel like a feed Hopkins kind of a year. Oh, for sure. And they're, and like with how bad the defense is, is they're going to be down a lot. And like, that's the thing with fantasy. We need to look at a team that has a shitty defense and understand that's going to correlate to them offensively being good. And that's where the, the Cardinals are defensively with how they play. They're going to be behind in a lot of games. I have them going six and 11. I think they're really going to struggle this year. And it's all going to be defensively. I'm and seven I think, and 10. Yeah. yeah. I think Kingsbury's done. I mean, I it's, it, 
it's close enough where I want to pull the trigger on the eight and a half. I'm a little pissed off at myself because Tennessee on DraftKings was laying two and a half. It just clicked up to Tennessee minus three for that week one. I was a little pissed off out of myself. I did it. I missed the boat on that. Um, situationally, week eight, they get the Packers on a short week, so I'll definitely look to play them there. But um, that's going to be coming after yeah. a pretty tough stretch for them too. I mean, that's a good spot, but but they'll have uh, week four and even week three. They're on the road at Jacksonville, so yeah, on the road. Then they go at Rams, 49ers, at Cleveland. That's not an easy three weeks right there before you come back with Houston as sort of an easy game, and then Green Bay comes to to play. So yeah, that's kind of a, a stretch from weeks I think four to eight that will tell that they could go one and four in that stretch right there. Or they could go, you know, a three and two changes their entire season. Yeah, I mean, you just want to battle and get to those three wins, like you said. But, I mean, it's tough. Like, going to Jacksonville, getting that 12 o'clock start, 12 o'clock Chicago time, excuse me, that's going to be a uh, – that's a tough little nugget. Playing mm-hmm. Minnesota, Minnesota is going to be tough this year. You got at and Tennessee the, to start, which, yeah. And then they're really up against it. And then even if you look, like, right before the bye at San Francisco, home against the Panthers, at – Seattle, that's a tough little stretch too Because Seattle and San Francisco are tough And even when you come out of the bye at Chicago And then the Rams I mean, they have a tough little schedule With yeah. how they dart back and forth From the East and West Coast a lot There's no real multi three, four weeks Where they can be home or at least in one time zone Final three games of the year Indy at Dallas, Seattle That's not even easy there Yeah, just I'm not really very high on them this year It felt like they needed to take a little bit more of a step forward And I just um, I'm going to make them prove it to me In that tough division But with that being said I mean I think James Conner offers Insanely good fantasy value mm-hmm. the, um, Everything I've read Says he's going to get begin the goal line carries He's going to be the majority of the workhorse back And not Chase Edmonds Chase Edmonds is going to be a third down back And the change of pace I love Hopkins And I mean it's t- tough not to like Uh like Murray, if you can get him in the right, the correct round. Uh, yeah, what's nice about Murray is uh, you know someone who had him last year too, and and spots is you know this the thing with Murray, the thing with uh with Allen and and with Lamar and some of them is you you do get sort of a quarterback and running back, you know combination. So uh, that's always nice there. As we move to the Atlanta Falcons, they are projected I think in the seven and a half range. I saw, yeah. um, I. I don't know what to do with Atlanta. I guess I never really know what to do with Atlanta. I do think Pitts is going to be a monster. Um, from you know everything that I've read, they just they really love him. And I and this year should be a really big Calvin Ridley year. If if you told me Calvin Ridley was one of the top few wide receivers um, this year in fantasy, I wouldn't be shocked because you know now Julio's out of the out of there, and then behind Calvin Ridley, you have you know a bunch of just. Number three, four type wide receivers Gage, Zacchaeus um, So it'll be Ridley, it'll be a lot of pits Even their running backs aren't very good I mean Mike Davis is a fine fill-in But they don't really have like a true RB1 They've just got a lot of patchwork in their backfield there um, I think it's going to be a lot of feeding Ridley Trying to get pits into the mix as much as you possibly can um, I think this is going to be a huge Ridley year But I, I don't think that's going to necessarily translate to wins for them I think I've got them under uh, in like the 6 and 11 range There's a, a couple stretches in their year where I mean week 1, Philly, I, I guess I could see either 
either or happening But then they go at Tampa and at the Giants And then back home for Washington Which isn't that easy Then you go play the Jets on a neutral uh, On a neutral field in uh, in London I believe And then you come back from a bye And you go at Miami, Carolina home At the Saints, at Dallas, the Patriots Then you travel to Jacksonville You come back, you get the uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks At Carolina, at San Fran that is not the easiest schedule in the world for Atlanta. Uh, give us some of your thoughts on the Falcons this year. Um, they brought in Arthur Smith from Tennessee. The RPO he likes to run, obviously, because Matt Ryan isn't that mobile. He's not going to be able to run it. And also that O-line just really isn't that good yet. They have a lot of holes. But with that being said, Mike Davis is the only game in town. Mike Davis is going to get all the carries. Mike Arthur Smith likes to run the ball, so you kind of have to like. It'll be a great like, DFS yeah. Play yeah, some you, weeks. Yeah, you kind of have to like him just because of the opportunity he's going to get. Um, because there's nothing really behind him at all. I agree with you 100. This is a Calvin Ridley year. Even when Julio was out, Ridley was putting up good numbers. In terms of Pitts, my worry about Pitts is he ran what was a four four or a four three forty. I just feel that everyone, all the linebackers, are going to do nothing but chip at his legs every time he comes off the line. And I really think that's going to affect him and he's going to struggle a little bit just because of the beating he's going to take is going to be something he's never had to take before just because he's been so physically opposing to everyone, his competition while before going to the NFL. So I'm a little worried about Pitts, but long term, I think he's going to be good. Defensively, they brought in Dean Peens. Um, he was at the Titans when the Titans made that run to the AFC championship game. He's an aggressive style DC. He likes to force turnovers. He likes to try to strip the ball, interceptions, take chances. That's the way he likes to play. That's the way the Falcons are going to roll out. But the issue is they're still young. They have a lot of – they're really young in the back four. I think Defensively, they're right? Yeah. 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 I think they're going to struggle with that, with the way Pease wants them to play. But this is another good defensive coach. Once you get these young kids in the system more and more toward the second half of the year, this defense is going to be a little bit better than people realize. And I think they're going to be able – you know, when they play like a Detroit in week 16, they're going to be $2,500 in DraftKings, and that's going to be a great defense. Those last or two weeks Carolina. of the year, yeah, yeah, the last couple weeks of the year, they might be a team to play. It always seems like they start humming at the end of the year too, right, with um, with Buffalo and New Orleans. Those could be fun spots to play uh, an Atlanta underdog team. Oh, for sure, for sure. I, I, I have this team winning eight games. I think they're going to be a little better than people think. Um, Matt Ryan... Fun fact about Matt Ryan, there's been him, the two Mannings, and Brady have been the only quarterbacks not on a rookie deal to lead a team to the Super Bowl. So I think Matt Ryan's a little undervalued. Um, I like the offense just because the defense is bad. They're going to be behind a lot, like mm-hmm. I said, to start the season. So fantasy numbers are going to put up our great. Yeah, I got him at eight and nine, but I didn't lock in any futures. I really like Ridley, and uh, I like the value that the defense offers toward the end of the season in DFS. Yeah, I got him. I got him right below you at either six to seven, um, but not not enough of confidence to where I would want to lock in the uh, the under or anything on them. I they're one of the teams I probably don't get as much of a feel for overall. But they, you know, teams like them with the younger defense, if they can, they can really improve throughout the year, as you mentioned. So we'll, I'll be one uh, that's kind of keeping an eye on them week to week as we move along to the Carolina Panthers. I think they're right in that same range, seven and a half, and. You look at Carolina and the big question for them this year, obviously coming in with Sam Darnold. 
They make the trade for Sam Darnold They believe in him uh, McCaffrey, one of the best running backs in the league And one of the best when it comes to uh, fantasy And then their wide receivers the, the, you know, the talent here The weapons for Sam Darnold I mean, he's never played with someone like Christian McCaffrey Who will give him a real nice like uh, safety valve there He's got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, uh, Terrence Marshall, and David Moore. So, you know, that's not a bad four wide receivers here to be able to throw at. They don't get much help from the tight end position um, as far as proven uh, pass catchers there. But this is a team that had a very young defense last year. They seem like they're well coached. They seem like they really like their staff. Um, This is a team that I... I wouldn't be shocked if they took a step forward Now when I go through their schedule I have a hard time Getting them to like 10 wins That they would need to get to be you know in the playoff mix But question I think when you start Can they be 2-2 and through 4 They got the Jets The the Saints At Houston At Dallas If they can be 3-1 and Some of the bad stuff coming out of New Orleans They beat the Jets to start They beat New Orleans They they win at Houston, and now all of a sudden they're three and zero, and they go to play Dallas. Could you, you know you get a little confidence there? Then all of a sudden you come back home. You got a couple winnable games against Philly and Minnesota. Then you go to the Giants, Atlanta. The thing about them, the from from really the very beginning of the year on, they've got a lot of winnable games. Now they're losable games for this team too. But if Sam Darnold can give them just average quarterback play. I'm, this team, I, 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 they, they could be a little sneaky this year. I think they, they were competitive in a lot of games last year. Uh, where do you think uh, Carolina is going to stack up? I'm not that high in them at all, and I, yeah, I'm just not high on this team. I feel that Darnold really isn't that big of an upgrade over Bridgewater. We have to remember with the Brady offense that he wants to run, you need an RPO quarterback. Sam Darnold's not an RPO quarterback. He's exactly like Bridgewater. He's not a threat running the ball. Uh, Left side of the offensive line is a complete wreck. So, I mean, you're going to have that to worry about. And my thing with quarterbacks is if you haven't made an improvement from year one to year two, then you're just not going to get it. And Sam Darnold has never made that improvement. Everyone keeps talking about how much potential he has. He just has never showed it to me. I heard this interview with him when he was at the uh, Combine. And just listen to this kid talk. Right then I made the judgment that, this guy just doesn't have it to be an NFL quarterback. And I just don't think he does. Defensively, the back four is so young. And I really think when you look at who they have to play, I mean, you have to play um, you have to pl- play Cooper and Lamb. Those guys are going to eat it up. You play Devontae Smith and Gerald Rieger, who like to stretch. Those people are going to eat it up. You play the Giants. The Giants are sneaky good with their weapons they have on the offensive end. They're going to eat it up. You play Ridley twice, he's going to eat it up. You play Evans and Godwin twice, they're going to eat it up. Back four is just way too weak to compete with their schedule. But I will say this, my bold prediction is Terrence Marshall is going to lead them in red zone targets. This kid was a beast. He rose up for every single uh, big game at LSU. So if there's a big game on their on their docket, like um, I don't – I'm. What a, I don't even think they have a primetime game. So, oh, so the game Thursday night, Thursday night, week three at Houston, that's a Terrence Marshall game. Terrence Marshall put in your uh, MVP thing and the DK uh, slate there. I just, I think he's going to leave him in red zone targets. McCaffrey is McCaffrey, but 
I have him going three and twelve. I think. Oh yeah, this yeah. We'll be way, this be... is one where we weigh we weigh different. We yeah. don't have too many teams like that, and I don't think they're. I think one of the reasons why too is just because I don't think the Saints are going to be good this year, and I just don't think that division is very. I think it's Tampa's good, but then I don't think the rest of the division is is, is really. Tough. I just feel that when you look at as a whole, they're back four, and then you look at the wide receivers that they have to play. They're just not going to be able to keep up defensively, and that's just going to be the downfall of them. Yeah, that could, and, that could. And like, and like, honestly, I'll, I'll, I think PJ Walker, the kid from Temple that played in the XFL, he's a better fit as a quarterback than Darnold, just because you can run the RPO, and that's truly what you need in the Brady offense. You need a quarterback that can run the RPO, and Darnold's just not that. See, I never was too high, on, even as a USC guy. I didn't think Darnold could be would necessarily be like a. MVP and NFL quarterback um, I do think that He was put in The worst position With one of the worst coaches that we've seen Of the last 10 to 15 years I mean every player that's come out of an Adam Gase offense Has gone other places and been awesome Or like just just not even awesome But just way better than they ever were before Players like Tannehill Or, um, or running backs that we just Kind of figured were done I think that the, he's just a bad coach he puts you in bad spots he doesn't inspire you i don't think sam darnold is going to be uh you know uh reinventing the wheel here i think he can move a little bit better than people think so yeah i think this team i actually had them winning uh 7 to 8 games i think they can go 7 10 8 9 um and yeah you know the under lot- seven and a half is one of the ones i like one of my future bets nice yeah. nice yeah. yeah see i just don't think i don't i think their schedule has a lot of games where they're not going to be heavy underdogs, which which is which is one thing I like, right? I, I, we'll talk about New Orleans in a little bit. The Jets, Houston, okay, at Dallas, they're probably like a seven point dog or something. There, we'll see how Dallas plays. They get Philly and Minnesota at home. They go at New York, at Atlanta. I mean, you're probably not huge dogs in in either of those games. You get the Patriots at home uh, at Arizona. So I just don't think they're going to be in game. Like the the key for them is if they're good. And or they've had a a start to the year where they're in the 500 range. They they have to because they have to have something like that because the last four games of the year at Buffalo, Tampa, at New Orleans, at Tampa, that's a really difficult stretch to end. But yeah, I think they can I think they can be a little bit better with some winnable games early on. This will be one of the the teams that you and I will maybe have some fun uh, some fun side wagers on throughout the year if we're uh, if we're playing either for or against those Panthers. Uh, let's get to the Bears, who are another team like right in that same range, right? Seven and a half. Uh, I I, the Bears that was a total... are seven and a half on DraftKings. Yes. Yeah, they were right. So we have a lot of teams so to start that are right in that similar range, and you know the, we look at the Bears. Andy Dalton goes over there. The word is that he's going to start as the quarterback. They draft Justin Fields, who will hopefully be the the future franchise quarterback for them. David Montgomery with an incredible. Um, end of 2020 was really good last year. Cohen, we'll see if he's going to be able to, you know, produce out of the backfield. He hasn't really done a whole lot, but he does take touches away from Montgomery. Then you got Allen Robinson. Mooney was impressive towards the end of his uh, rookie season, and Allen Robinson is is a legit number one wide receiver. Um, and then Cole Komet looked like he was going to start to take a take some action away from Jimmy Graham towards the end of last year. So this Bears team. Who 
will start on the road against my Rammies. Then they go home. They play the Bengals at Cleveland, Detroit. So they could be two and two, you know, in, in their first four. And and then I think the stretch that I had circled, Eric, is from weeks five to week 11. Because you go at the Raiders. Then you come home and you play the Packers. You go at Tampa. You come home and play San Fran. Then you go at Pittsburgh. Whether or not we think Pittsburgh is going to be good, it's still not the easiest place to go play. Tom, Tomlin primetime. Tom, like Tomlin primetime. And then you yeah. come home. You got the bye week. You come back and you go Baltimore. So that middle of the stretch of their season right there is probably make it or break it time. We we How many times do we see the Bears get like a three and a one start or a good start? They win a couple games early and then there's a, a that stretch of the year where they falter. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Bears. So my, well, A, I have to say, I have no idea how Nagy still has a job because usually Me neither. It, like he had one young quarterback completely failed developing. You can say what you want about Trubisky, but if you're a quote unquote offensive genius, you at least have to do something with the quarterback. Okay. At least show some sort of growth in the five, in the four years you had him, which he didn't. So I don't get how he still has a job because it's really weird. Like if you're an offensive genius, you failed one quarterback. Now they bring in another young quarterback. Um, my big prediction for them is they're going to lose to the Rams. Uh, Dalton's going to ball out in the revenge game against the Bengals. So circle that for DFS. Dalton is going to struggle mightily against the Browns. Second half, Fields comes in, plays well, and then the Fields era starts in week four against Detroit because Detroit's going to be insanely weak this year. So I feel it's a good spot to kind of get him going. Um, In terms of the offensive line, it all comes down if the kid Jenkins that they got can anchor the left side. If Jenkins can anchor the left side, this unit's going to be good. If he struggles, this unit's going to be really weak. So, I mean, it all comes down to him, what he's able to do. I hate David Montgomery in terms of fantasy. He caught a lot of teams that were bad against the rush to end the season. He didn't have um, Tyreek to compete with carries. He's just going to uh, get way over overdrafted this year. And they brought in um, Williams, the guy from Kansas City. So there's a lot more competition. So David Montgomery is on my avoid list this year. A-Rob's a beast. I mean, this is a contract year from him. Like I say, every time you and I talk, no, nothing motivates people more than money. He's playing for money. This is his last big contract he's going to get. And he's the clear number one. He's going to be that the guy that gets all the touches. And I truthfully feel like if Fields plays, Fields is going to be looking for him more because Fields knows, hey, this is the one guy I can. He could maybe be a, to a trade guy. But they don't. They, yeah. We don't. We don't see the kind of trades in the NFL though, like we do, and you know, and and others. But like, if they're not good, he could be maybe someone that that they think about trading to just get a draft pick or a couple for if they don't think they're going to be able to resign him. Yeah, I mean, because they franchise him this year. So, I mean, he's playing for his money, and I really am high on him. I'm not that high on Mooney. Uh, it's a different no. quarterback. I really think he's an avoid guy for me. Robinson's the only guy in, that I'm really that high on for this Bears offense, and I'm high on Fields. In our King Alliance League, I actually drafted Fields in the last round just to take a flyer because I think he could be special this year. Uh, defensively. Now, this is the thing we talk about. Uh, we talked about last time with Derrick Henry and uh, Najee Harris. People tend to associate stuff with a team. People tend to associate good D with the Bears. This is their third DC in four years. And their defense last year under, I'm totally spacing on the defense's name. Oh, my God. I'm totally spacing it. Chuck Pagano. He kind of got sloppy with his teaching. Bangio's very good. He's their old DC about disguising the coverage and everything. The disguise wasn't there at all. So now the new DC is going to have to kind of get 
the disguise that the Mangio used to run and kind of break all the DBs bad habits. That's going to be the big thing. Is Mac going to be able to find someone else on the other side of the line that can get to the quarterback? So that way offensive lines don't double Mac. There's a lot of questions with this deep with this defense. And I don't think it's going to be as good as it been in the last couple of years. Yeah. I got him. I got him winning like seven games. I got him seven and 10 too. I mean, yeah. I think there's, there's some obvious spots when you, when you can play him, but I mean, I just don't, I mean, look at him this, to end the season. Two games against Minnesota at Seattle, and I'm telling, I'm telling you right now, the Giants are going to be a lot better than people realize. I mm-hmm. mean, that's a tough, that's a tough end. So I really think they're going to. I mean, even they go. I mean, right after their bye, Baltimore, Detroit, Thanksgiving, Arizona at home, at Green Bay, Minnesota, Seattle, Giants, Minnesota. That's a tough little end. That's brutal. Yeah. The Bears, you got them both going in the seven-win range. As we move to the Dallas Cowboys, their over-under is nine and a half. They've got Dak back after missing uh, most of last year with the injury. What version of Ezekiel Elliott will they get back after a, like a real down year last year? Their wide receivers room is as good as any with uh, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup. Jarwin uh, locked in as your tight end here. We'll see if they can improve on the defensive side where they were just an absolute train wreck last year. And I mean, they should be not good, but just better on the defensive side. It won't be hard to be worse than they were. Um, their secondary is still pretty bad, but the middle of their defense is is like the linebackers and the edge is is fine. Um, they're still probably the most talented team in their division. But I do think you mentioned the Giants, and uh, and we're going to talk about Washington too. Um, I actually think overall, as a whole, the division is going to be a little bit better this year. I think the division is going to be a lot better. I think this is going to be. They're always competitive because usually because they suck. I think they're going to be competitive because they're good this year. Um, the Giant, excuse me, the Cowboy season comes down to three things for me. Number one, historically, when a quarterback, and even this happened to Brady. When they get a major knee injury, they're always very hesitant to step into their throws. Is that going to happen to Prescott? Because Prescott's coming off a serious injury where that ankle got twisted. Is he going to be able to step into his throws with confidence and not worry about re-injuring it? I don't know. That's going to be a big thing. And already, like, he he missed, um, they're saying during the Hall of Fame game, he was having, like, some sort of shoulder issue. You know what I mean? So how's Prescott's health? That's number one. Number two, their offensive line was a wreck last year. Uh, Smith missed the whole year. Martin missed six games. They need their offensive line to be healthy for them to have any chance to compete, especially because Giants defense is good. Washington's defense is good. So, and they play those, that's what's that four games right there. And then, um, can the young DBs develop? Cause they were obviously awful last year. If those guys don't take that next step, it's going to be just like last year when anyone can score on this team and this offense is having to put up like 42 points just to win a game. Um, in terms of fantasy football sleepers, I love Michael Gallup. Everyone's talking about C.D. Lamb, but this is the only thing about Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup was second in routes ran for the Cowboys and third in the whole NFL with uncatchable balls thrown to him. So if Dak is back and he's able to step into his throws with confidence, those uncatchable balls, because the quarterback level is higher, those aren't going to happen. So I really think Gallup is a good uh, sleeper in fantasy in terms of situational spots, I always bet against the team when they're raising the banner. Um, the line's up to seven right now in DK, so I'll probably mm-hmm. be invested in the Cowboys in that week one. 
Uh, week five, they get the Giants. I really think that's kind of a good spot. And if the Giants are as good as I think they're going to be, that point spread is probably going to be around three. Three at home against the Giants, I can definitely definitely take that spot. Um, so, And plus, that's their third home game in a row. So you're definitely going to want to kind of like end it with the success. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You want to end the, end the home stand strong. So I'm definitely going to have that game circled. But at the end of the day, just because of the depth of the division, I mean, I have them a nine and eight. Uh, yeah, I got them just above you. I got them winning 10. Um, the first three weeks of their season, you know, like you mentioned, at Tampa, then you go at the Chargers, and then you come back and you play Philly. But uh, after that, three more winnable games in weeks three, four, five. You know, with, you know, you got Philly there, then you got Carolina, you got New York, then all at home, as you mentioned, three straight at home. You come back from the bye, you go at Minnesota, Denver, and Atlanta at home, three more winnable games. Then things get difficult in week 11 at Kansas City, home against the Raiders, at New Orleans, at Washington, at the Giants, and Washington. That, that's your season right there. Weeks 11 through 16. Um, six game stretch that you have to win three of to, to yeah. keep yourself competitive with everybody else. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is, I'm with you. I like, yeah, I like, I'm, I'm just. No Cooper I haven't heard anything positive about Cooper And his surgery and stuff Like I just I wouldn't want to invest in Amari Cooper this year um, With with any kind of high capital I'd much prefer CeeDee Lamb And then Gallup's a, a fine flyer Like I, d- I do think that CeeDee Lamb's kind of buzzy uh, So I, I don't love when there's a lot of people talking But he rightfully should be Like he just I think it's just because he's really talented He looks really good at the camp And there's a lot of uh, positive buzz about him So yeah not as and much Cooper for me And back what you're saying like Anytime there's a buzz about anyone or a team, I just effing hate it. Like because well, they're I gonna be over even if they're good. Let's say CeeDee Lamb is really good, he's probably just gonna get drafted a little bit higher than he should. Oh, than yeah, he should have been the year. And that's and it. I mean, like, I'm starting like I hate to talk about Eckler, but I mean I was starting the Eckler hype train. Jesus, back in like May and June, I started posting stuff about Eckler. Now it seems everyone's hyping Eckler yeah. and forgetting about <laughs> they're forgetting about Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of like you guys got to ha- kind of have like your X mark where you rank the person, but you don't want to like overdraft them. Like if you have CD lamb, let's say hypothetically wide receiver seven with a third round grade, you can't draft him in the second round because you're not giving yourself value where you graded him before. So he's just going to get overdrafted. So because of that, I think Gallup's going to find value. And this is one of the better passing games in the league too. Great passing game, great rushing game and their defense sucks. You definitely want a piece of this offense in your fantasy lineup somewhere. We get to your Detroit Lions Brand new looking team No more Stafford You bring in Goff You've got uh, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams And Kerryon Johnson in the backfield You've got a a bunch of question marks At wide receiver But there's some talent there You've got size Um, And Ross St. Brown I know well he could be excellent Cephas a lot of people are mentioning Tyrell Williams, Brashad Perryman And then you've got Oh, it's so funny to be seeing you after so long, girl. From the way you look, I understand that you are not impressed. I heard you let that little friend of mine take off your party dress. Geronimo Allison, who is always one of my (laughs) favorite (laughs) DFS random flyers because I get to sing that song too. Uh, Whenever uh, the the Packers would be without their receivers and you just need a flyer there and Allison would be like the cheat, one of the cheaper ones on the board. Um, This feels like a really good Hawkinson year. 
for uh, for new quarterback uh, Jared Goff, who kind of tried to figure out the wide receiver lay of the land, and you get that nice big target there with Hawkinson. So, as a fan of this team, what do you think? As a fan of this team, I have the bar extremely low. I think they made two of the worst, worst coaching hires ever in Dan <laughs> Campbell and Anthony Lynn. I don't know. It came out Matt Campbell turned down the job. Maybe that was it. Maybe everyone just turned down the job. And if that was right, and if Campbell was the only guy that he'd get, okay, so be it. But Campbell, what has he done to deserve this job? And I started looking because he's been a tight end coach with the Browns and the Dolphins. There's never really been a tight end like he's developed and taken to that next level. So, I mean, developmental-wise, like, I don't know what he's going to be able to bring to the bring to the table. In terms of systems, like, he says he wants to run the ball and play defense. So, that's great. I think they're off. I, I think they have a top 10 offensive line in the NFL, but you have Anthony Lynn as your offensive coordinator. What did Anthony Lynn show us last year in Los Angeles? He likes to rotate his backs. So, that means you can't trust Swift, which is sad because his offensive line is legit when they drafted Suell. I mean, this is a legit a top 10 offensive line with everybody young. If they had a better often a better offensive coordinator, I'd be a little invested in this offense. Um, in terms of wide receiver corp, someone's got to catch the ball. My guess, and it's gonna be under the radar, is Bashan Perriman. People need to remember mm-hmm. his old man, his old man Brett Perriman played there. He did elected to go there. He was born in Detroit. He's had nothing positive, nothing but positive stuff to say about the city. He's gonna be their wide receiver one. To start the season I think he's an insanely Under the radar guy He's had some good good stretches remember with Tampa A couple years ago Yeah I think he's insanely undervalued And golf golf can sling the ball You know what I mean he struggles with pressure in his face But the offensive line is good Where he's not going to He's not going to have the pressure in his face It's just you just don't know who the guy is going to be Just because Anthony Lynn has proven that He doesn't have featured guys he like he oh i don't want people to get tired i'm going to cycle people in and out so it's really tough to determine who's going to be the dude um defensively i think they're going in the right direction i love the hire of aaron glenn i think this guy's going to be a great head coach in the league um they're going to change up their system and everything and go from a three four to a four three but again they just don't have the talent you know they just don't have Mm -hmm. talent to compete um but don't get me wrong they have some good situational spots where you can bet them. Week three, if the Ravens beat the Chiefs, it is a hammer spot taking the Lions plus the points. I'm not going to say they're going to win the game, but they should be able to cover. If Real flat spot for Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, week 12, they play the Bears. Bears Thanksgiving. Those are always tough games. I mean, they at least compete. Last year, they had their third string quarterback going. And it was still a game till the fourth quarter. Um, week 15, you have the cards coming out for an early an early game on the West Coast. And looking at the card schedule, that's right sandwiched where they play the Rams on a late on Monday night football. So that's one of those things I look for where they play a late game on the West Coast on Monday night. Then have to play the early game. Sunday, so they definitely have a little bit of a short week. So those are just some situational plays. I don't I'm not saying they're gonna win those games, but you can definitely take the points for the Lions in those games. I just um I look where's their first win? <sighs> week eight. Six or eight, right? <laughs> they could beat I mean, Cincinnati. Yeah, they could beat Cincinnati. I mean that's yeah, they that's they that's the only thing that stinks yeah, is that 
Like they could be competitive in a couple of those games, but it's just such a bummer when you'll have a new coach and a new everything, and you look at the schedule and it's like, oh damn, they start with the Forty ers at Green Bay, Ravens at the Bears at Minnesota. That's not an easy start. Not at that's, all. That's three division road games, and then your two home games are teams that'll probably be the top five in their conferences. So, yeah, yeah that's it's a bummer. But they're just for, at the end of the day, they're just lacking talent, though. And that's yeah, they like, are. They're lacking talent, and you know, it's just I really feel though that with this offensive line, if they would have had Stafford, yeah, you know, I could kind of see them. Competing a little bit just because Stafford can't elevate people, but I'll talk about that with the Rams. The big rumor on Lions Twitter is we're going to make a push for Michael Thomas, which I totally think we should not do. I totally think we should not make a push for Michael Thomas. I have my whole opinion about him, and I'll talk to that when we get to the Saints. Good little tease there as we continue on through the NFC, and we are up to the Green Bay Packers now. I believe their over-under is 10 and it looks like Aaron Rodgers will be content for the moment. They've locked in Adams again. So uh, the band is back. The problem with this team is they've actually had a couple years in a row now where they've they've had really good years. And they've, they've probably overachieved a little bit based on a lot of the metrics. I don't ever think they're going to be bad when you have Rodgers out there. You've got uh, Adams and you've got Aaron Jones, who's a really good running back also. Um and now, you know, it's it's Aaron Jones. They've drafted A.J. Dillon to help out a little bit, but I think it's definitely going to be Aaron Jones. And then you get, you know, uh, Lazard had a, a solid end of the season, but they don't really have a lot of depth in, with the wide receivers. Tanyan had this incredibly efficient year. It's unlikely that he's going to be as efficient. So the same thing with them, you know, it's just they, they're not deep. They're they're. Talented and super talented in some particular spots where they can beat teams that they're better than. But if you play them with a good scheme or just against a good team, they're kind of easy to to defend. Like they lost Lindsay, the the center. I think that's going to be a huge loss for them in the offensive line. The thing about Aaron Rodgers is the last two years, Aaron Rodgers has led the league in audibles by a substantial amount. So everything LaFleur is calling, basically Rodgers is just audibling out of it. And the thing with Rodgers is he throws the ball to who he trusts. And he made this big push to get Randall Cobb here, which kind of blew my mind because everything like I remember and I kind of look back in the internet, Cobb and him really didn't get along when Cobb was there. So that whole thing about, hey, I'm going to come back, but you got to get Randall Cobb, like really doesn't make sense to me. Um, and is Cobb really that big of an upgrade over the kid Amari Rodgers they drafted from Clemson? I don't think so. But with Rodgers demanding Cobb back and his little love affair with um, Devontae Adams, those are the only two guys that you really want in terms of fantasy. Um, like you mentioned, Tanyan, extremely efficient, but he's so touchdown dependent, you can't trust him for season long fantasy or for DFS fantasy because he's just so touchdown dependent. I love Aaron Jones. I think the kid's a beast. Um, defensively, they changed their defensive coordinator. They're going to be more offensive. They're going more more aggressive. They're going to blitz a lot more. And under the pet, Mike Pettit, Pedantry, the old DC, he had Alexander play a side of the field. Their new DC is going to let Alexander completely shadow the best wide receiver, which I like because I think Alexander's huge for them defensively. But 
I just think the loss of Lindsay offensive on the offensive line is going to hurt him. And there's got to be some issues in that locker room with Rogers and everything going on. I think they're going to get 10 wins. I got him at 11, 11 and six. So yeah, I think, uh, I think they'll probably just be a little bit. Uh, they're not quite as sharp as last year, but they're always going to be capable of beating anyone. Um, I mean, they could start the year at new Orleans, Detroit, then they go at San Francisco, who's just not who's who's had their number. But then they go Pitt at Cincy at Chicago. I mean, those they could be f- four or two or five and one there. Uh, Washington at home. Um, you know, then the from week six to week sixteen. You know, you got at Chicago, Washington, at Arizona, at Kansas City, Seattle, at Minnesota, Rams. Those are all you know. Those are difficult games. They're not easy games at the Bears. Uh, at Baltimore, Cleveland So I got him in the yeah, 11 range Probably wouldn't be enough for me to want to send them over But agree with you on the fantasy side It's just hard to really get excited about Too many different weapons on here uh, You know, if you can get a Jones Or you can get a an Adams You probably want them But I, I don't really love the, the rest of their pieces And you look at their schedule, like you said I mean, they play Chicago and Washington I mean, Washington's a physical team then you have to go play Arizona at Arizona a short week. Kansas City, which is going to stretch you out. Then Seattle, then Minnesota, then the Rams and a bye. That's a brutal little stretch too. Like like you said, week through twelve, and then they have back to back Baltimore and Cleveland. I mean, they I I don't know. Like I just I think Lindsey and then the, then uh, there's got to be something in that locker room with Rodgers, man. Yeah. The more I think about it, and I just I, think I, gonna I wouldn't want to go over right. Like if the with when push comes to shove. If I had to, I'd say that they probably lose a game or two that they shouldn't instead of win a game or two that they shouldn't, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, 10-11 range for me as we get to the Rams. Let's see how much the Cam Akers um, injury is going to hurt the Rams. They're over-under, I believe it's 10.5. Is that what you got, too, in that range? I got 10.5, correct. Um, So we know now that Stafford's going to be the quarterback of the Rams. That'll be a major upgrade for them. And in the backfield, uh, it's it's all about Daryl Henderson right now. The wide receivers room with Robert Woods, with uh, Cooper Cup, um, Van Jefferson is someone I know they're high on, and they want to try to get him a little bit more involved. And then as far as the tight ends are concerned, it's going to be a lot more Higby this year because Everett's not in the mix now. So offensively, they have some weapons. Here's the thing with the Rams. I think they're – and this is how they've been sort of for the last few years. They have – Really good top tier talent At a lot of positions You look at their defense too You know obviously with Donald And you look at Ramsey And um, I think they lost a little bit In their um, in their secondary But they, the, the concern that I have Is they're not very deep They get hit by injuries And they're in trouble Because they pay a lot of p- players A lot of money uh, Some really high level players And so that means you don't really have as much To get the depth But they um, I've got them right in that same sort of range I've got them winning 11 games going 11 and 6 But I do think they are With a healthy Stafford They are a much more legitimate Contender Getting into a one game situation Against a lot of other teams Like I don't look in the NFC And think that you know Tampa's probably the best team On paper but there's nobody that I, I think is so much better than this team that would scare the hell out of him in one game Where everyone's healthy um, They just gotta get there So I've got him in the 10-11 uh, Probably 11 is, is is where I'll end up with the Rams Where do you stack on my LA Rams? I 
I like him a lot. I mean, I think the really big key is when, how do you pronounce the guys? Winthrop, Winthrop, like the offensive lineman. When is his age going to start to show? Cause he's 41 right now. As long as he can like still play at his level. I think the offensive line, he's I think such the offensive a monster. Line will be fine. Um, I'm really not that concerned with the running back issue. I really feel like in the, as long as it's a zone runner mm-hmm. with McVay's zone running system, they're going to be fine. Like, I really think people are kind of overreacting, saying they're going to abandon the run. They're not going to abandon the run. No. You know what I mean? They're still going to run the ball. was fine. He's been yeah, fine so. when he's had to, to get touches. Akers was just a little bit better, and he ran with it, and they invested a little bit more in him. But, yeah, I, I don't – I'm not too concerned. I, yeah, because I, I mean – like I say all the time, it's the system, not the player. And in the McVay system, hell, I feel I could run for 900 yards in the McVay system in the zone <laughs> concept just because you know how people, how the line sets it up. Stafford could spin the ball. But with that being said, he wasn't college roommates, college, yeah, college roommates with uh, Cooper Cup. So Cooper Cup's volume, his fantasy worth extremely drops. He's not going to be forced the ball from Stafford. We really don't know who's going to be Stafford's go-to guy. If I had to predict Robert Woods or uh, Tyler Higby because he likes to throw to the tight end, I'm really high on this team. I think their biggest thing they did for the offseason was the fight in Pittsburgh with Aaron Donald. The guy was just lying about it. Because if you guys lose Aaron Donald, like you said, your defense is worthless because we saw that in Green Bay during the playoffs. I'm a little worried about switching defensive coordinators to Raheem Morris. You guys use how he Morris likes to run the four three, but you guys used to run the three four. Morris says he's going to keep the three four, so we'll have to see. But switching DCs after you had such a great year defensively, I think they take a step back. But I think talent wise with Stafford, I think they're just better than everyone in the in the West in the uh, in the West. And I think they I think they go thirteen and four to be honest with you. Uh, that'd be great. That'd be great. I I I think they're good. They're I think they're good. I just. One or two, I, I hope they can stay healthy because I would love to see this team have another shot now with Stafford and uh, give your boy Stafford a shot with, with a team that feels like a legitimate contender. And, and it's going to piss me off because now everyone's going to talk about how good Stafford is. And, and you're going to be like, like, I they're, know. They're, they're going to act like his time in Detroit just was nothing. You're they're like, gonna, I've been watching this gonna dude. Everyone's going to be amazed like how well he can spin the ball. It's just going to be a miracle. But this guy's a pit fighter this guy will like go out there with a broken bat i mean i really i think this team is one of the few teams that can legitimately challenge the bucks for the top spot in the conference i agree we get to the minnesota vikings what do you got them at eight and a half for the vikings i have them at nine on DraftKings. nine on DraftKings. i saw them at eight and a half uh in the last day or so so uh start us off here with the vikings eric the big news with them, and everyone knows I love offensive flying. Rick Dennison is refusing to get the COVID-19 shot, so he stepped away. He's their offensive um, line coach. I really feel like that's going to be a key for the offensive line. He's not going to be in there to um, teach all the young guys. I feel that the offense is going to struggle because of that. I know PFF graded their offensive line low. You and I both use PFF in a lot of our stuff, but with PFF, the way they grade zone stuff is a little bit deceiving because they grade if the offensive lineman stays in their little area, but in a zone blocking, that's not how you do it. You're always wandering around and pulling left, pulling right. I really feel they're going to lose, like miss Dennison not being there and his blocking steam. I actually dropped Elvin Cook down to five in my fantasy football rankings because of that. 
um, the Zimmer defense, if they don't have a pass rusher, it struggles. And legitimately, I'm looking at the squad, they don't have a pass rusher at all. I think it's going to be another one of those eight and nine seasons where they miss the playoffs and they're one of the middle tier teams. They need to get that pass rusher. If they can trade for a pass rusher, I can see them making the playoffs. But until they get the pass rusher, they're just the middle of the road team in the NFL. It's it's funny with them because I like their roster better than I like their schedule when I really started to break it down. Um, offensively, they're fine, right? I mean, what scares me a little bit is Kirk Cousins talking about, I don't think he got the shot either, right? Because he was talking about the face shield and like walking around with the face shield everywhere he goes. It's like, just get the damn shot, dude. So, so um and their coaching staff, like, I, I don't know, you know, some of these teams seem like they're like already battling with each other in camp about this stuff. I don't know if that's going to be the going to have the best morale for your team throughout the year. And the thing with the zone blocking system, which they, which they use, it's so much coaching and like learning where to go and everything. And I just feel like Dennis and not being there coaching is just going to be a huge blow. I mean, we forget. Remember that year Isaiah Corwell was like leading the league in rushing for the Jets. I think it was like five, seven years ago. Yeah, that was all Rick Dennison. I mean, this guy legitimately is probably the best offensive line slash run game coordinator in the history of the NFL, and I think that's a huge blow losing him. So you know, from a skill position player standpoint, um, you know their backfield is good. Dalvin Cook is excellent. Like you said, it, you know, with the coaching and the scheme there, maybe we dro- we drop them down a little bit. But Madison's a nice handcuff. If you pick, if you draft Cook, you probably want to draft Madison too. And, and if you don't draft Cook, like towards the end of your draft, Madison's not a bad guy to take a flyer on because if Cook gets hurt, he, he's legitimate. And RB. he has a history of getting hurt. Like you and I talked NBA. Yep. I mean, he's like he gets hurt a lot. All you know, a he, lot. Like the last and it's not something you want to hope for, years. but you just have yeah. to just be able to assume it's, it's the Nets thing, right? Everybody keeps saying, oh, if the Nets are healthy, they're going to be so great. But like, can we project and really count on them being healthy all the time? I don't know. And so it's hard to not, you know, think that he's had a couple years where he's gotten a lot of carries and a lot of wear and tear. And then a couple years that he's been banged up. So good backfield, good receivers. Thielen had an Incredible year too Another one that was like When when receivers have really efficient ears Or they just catch like all of their targets I usually stay away from them the next year Because it's just so hard to replicate that Not that he's not going to be a, a very capable receiver But like he was snatching up everything A lot of touchdowns And it, it's just Those are things that are Like are, are they're, they're harder Like targets or, or an opportunity like you you were talking about Those are the things that are always going to be there um, You know getting four catches Catching three of them in a touchdown Like that's hard sometimes to to count on over and over So Jefferson and, just said I'm a little cold on Thielen this year And also with Thielen to your point on Thielen You guys have to look at his splits When he plays outside he's not that good But when he plays inside in the slot Guy's a world beater So you gotta have to kind of look to see where he's gonna be lining up and the team he's playing against, their slot um, cover man. Also, no more Kubiak as the offensive coordinator. His son, Clint, is the um, offensive coordinator. First-time offensive coordinators always have me a little leery because it's their first time calling plays. So I'm just not that high on this team this I year. I don't like this team at all. I've got them way under. I've got them going 5-12. and 12. Um, And you I mean, look at that stretch, 8 through... 12 that's a pretty brutal run Who are they winning and then even then they go at Detroit At the end of that Dallas at Baltimore At the Chargers Green Bay At the 49ers and then at Detroit Yeah you know And then even to start their year right So you've got Cincy 
on the road Arizona on the road Sure those are two winnable games but they're on the road Then you come home For three opponents and two of them are tough And one of them is a divisional opponent You go to yeah. At Carolina yeah that's a winnable game But it's on the road So I'm, you know the end of their season When they go Pittsburgh At Chicago then they get the Rams At home they get Green Bay uh, On the road and then Chicago Like maybe they could pick up a couple wins there But I think this team's going to be bad I don't like some of the uh, yeah. stuff I've been hearing coming out of them. Uh, I've got them like five wins. I could easily see it. I mean, I think they're going to struggle. Like I, like I said, I'd not cooked down to five when I heard the Denison news. I just think, yeah, I, I totally see it. I wouldn't surprise me if it was five and they have a new coach going in next year. We get to the New Orleans Saints, a team who I'm also not high on at all this year, Eric. Um, the Michael Thomas news coming out. He's injured. There was miscommunication on on how he he you know he was going to rehab. He kind of feels like he was lied to by the team. Then the last couple of years, the communication with that team and him have not been good. Then you got Drew Brees not going to be around and behind Thomas. So Pro Football Focus it with Thomas had the receivers. Which includes your tight end So they ranked the pass catchers for every team And the Saints were ranked 28th Including Michael Thomas After Michael Thomas They have nothing Because the the biggest problem for them this year is like So after Thomas This is the rest of their receiver core Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, Marcus Calloway Juwan Johnson, and Lil Jordan Humphrey And their tight ends are Adam Troutman And Nick Vanette They like how huge would a Jared Cook or an Emmanuel Sanders be right now for this team who they had last year? And th- so look at the receiving options. Traquan Smith is their number one receiver. They don't have a, a legitimate tight end that's proven at all. And now they've got Jameis coming in for the first time. And, you know, he sat behind last year, but, you know, Drew Brees had a lot better weapons. Drew Brees had Michael Thomas, Cook, and Sanders there last year And a lot of other great weapons Kamara's great, sure And Montgomery's a a very solid backup Um, I don't like this team this year I don't like what I'm hearing about the coming out of Thomas Jameis is doing the goofy stuff where he's running through the pads the other day And he's getting like knocked all over the place Like what's going on? If he doesn't play well early Then you start wondering they're going to get Taysom Hill in the mix And you know I just they just had um another one who, who uh, today Patrick Robinson retires. So now they're secondary. So that's a cornerback. He retires. So now they're really going to struggle at the back end. So I don't think they're going to be able to score and and move the ball down the field like they normally could. And now they're probably not going to be able to stop you as well as they normally have. I'm very low on this team, Eric, this year. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the Saints. So Let's start with the most important position, quarterback position. Everything about me that knows football says you start Jameis Winston. But the fact that they gave Taysom Hill that $120 million contract, and for whatever reason, Peyton seems to love the kid like he's his own son, I think they're going to start Taysom Hill. I just have this suspicion Hill's going to be the guy going into the week one, which makes me hate everyone in the offense even more. Um, That's number one. Number two, in terms of the Michael Thomas thing, he got hurt in garbage time in week one. And now the coaching, the doctors misdiagnosed it. And then there's that whole thing. Like when you and I talked, I flat out said, I think him and uh, Drew Brees don't like each other. I think he really got upset with when Brees tweeted out that Donald Trump stuff. 
Um, so I think there's that underlining issue. And now you have this player who's been great. He just doesn't want to be there anymore. And I'd be honest, I don't know if he really wants to play football anymore, man. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know. So with the salary hit and what he's going to man, demand in trade value, he's going to be a tough guy to trade. Um, Alvin Kamara has no fantasy value, uh, even if it doesn't matter who's the quarterback. Winston's going to like to chuck it down the field. Taysom Hill showed in that four-week stretch when he played, he doesn't go to Kamara. Kamara's got no, val- no value at all. Defensively, this is going to be a defensive team. And, but like you said, they just lost the DB who retired. This team is going to have to lean on the defense and play ball control offense, something we haven't seen forever for the Saints. It's going to be a completely different look. I have them at 5-11. and 11. I, I mean, think they could I, be bad. I think yeah. they, they could be 0-3 to start, right? Lost to Green, yeah. Green Bay, at Carolina, at New England. Oh, like that, that could be 0-3. You come home and you play the Giants. Okay, maybe you get a win there. But we said, we both think the Giants are going to be a little bit better than, than people are going to give them credit for. Then you go at Washington. That is not an easy game. You get a bye early, which is not great in this kind of a season. You get you know a six week week six bye. You come back from your bye. You go at Seattle, probably a loss. Tampa could be a loss. Atlanta, okay, maybe you win there. Then you go at Tennessee, at Philly, back to back. You get Buffalo and Dallas in back to back primetime games on uh, Thursdays. Thursday night games that just kind of mess your week up. Man, I don't like this team this year at all. I have them, I have them winning one game before the bye. I have them, yeah, in their first five, I have them going one in four. Yeah. yeah. I think they lose their first three, beat beat New York, and then lose at Washington. I uh, See, I, I think they beat Carolina. Yeah, they, and then I, I have yeah. that. That's yeah. my question. You know, like yeah. I, I got a win slash loss. But like I, I usually, in that situation, would probably lean Carolina. We'll see what happens because Carolina will probably be like a home dog there because people will still probably early in the season be thinking, I wonder what. Because their their total was nine, so it wasn't still that high. But I wonder if from week to week, this team is still going to be overvalued for a while, living off of the past. Wow, the Saints have been so good for you know for so many years. But remember, even when they're good, they generally start really slow. Even with the good years they've had, and like this team has been the most talented team the last couple of years. Underachieved. They have not. I mean, they can just not get it done. It just amazes me how and they so weren't this able year, to get it done. Now shift. with Jameis and without Michael Thomas, are they going to do it? Like, I'm going to make them prove it to me, you know? I, I mean, like, offensive line is decent. I mean, uh, Cesar Ruiz has to take a step forward, which I think he, he'll be able to do. Their defensive um, line's fine. Like, the middle of their defense line is, is, good. is good, too. And, and give Allen credit. Allen came in there. That defense sucked. He turned him into a top-five unit. But now their whole identity is switched. And they're going to lean on the defense to win. And they're going to have to play ball control and hope Jameis doesn't turn the ball over. Because hypothetically, let's say Jameis is the quarterback. What did he do last time he played? He led the league in interceptions. And I don't think... An astronomical amount. I don't so, think Jameis is as bad as people you know, laugh at him for. But like, like if Jameis was able to come into a situation like Stafford came into, I think he might be okay. And if this, if this Saints team had... Wasn't missing Thomas And let's say they had Sanders From last year too And so now all of a sudden their receivers are Michael Thomas, Sanders, and Traquan Smith Is your like number two Him and Sanders are like your co-number two, three receiver And then you got a Jared Cook Just a serviceable tight end You know, someone there Then all of a sudden I'm going, okay You know, 
this team at least has some pieces out there for Jameis. Like they'll probably be in the ten win range. I, I don't. No, nah, I, I think they're under five hundred. I got them like seven, six or seven wins. Yeah, I got them five. I think they're really gonna struggle. If I can st- actually, you know what? If I can still find a nine, I'll, I'll um, I'll invest in the under nine. Isn't it it's funny? Kind of fun. It's kind how of quickly funny things someone... change. Like, uh, you know, Minnesota and New Orleans are two teams that I'm really against this year. And just a few years ago, they're two of the best teams in the NFC. Yeah, it just shows you how quick your the window can uh, can close. Someone tweeted out a Saints guy I follow tweeted out a Saints drinking game. Traycon Smith gets injured. Winston Winston throws an INT. Taysom Hill fumbles. Michael Thomas <laughs> sends out a sends out a condescending tweet. A player gets arrested. Tatum runs the option. I mean, it, it was a hilarious tweet. But I mean, like, I really think this is going to be a completely different team. They're going to struggle, and their whole identity about how they used to win is completely gone. We get to the New York Giants. The Giants, uh, their over under is seven. Is that right? Yes, I think I'd lean over with this team, and we'll 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 start talking a little bit about why. Defensively, they took a massive step forward last year. They were in a lot of games. That this was the kind of bad team that a, a better uh, liked to play last year because you you could rewatch their games and and see like one or two plays in a game that would flip the entire game and all of a sudden they'd end up losing by like 21 in a game where they were driving to take the lead and then Danny Dimes would throw an interception that was a pick six and all of a sudden now they're down by 14 and then they turn the ball over on the next drive and they're down 21 and then you look back and went weren't the Giants just about to take the lead there they had a lot of situations like that last year they really did um they're going to get Barkley back I think people forget how good he is and how much that will help someone like like Danny Dimes. Um, they have actually a, a fine, serviceable backup quarterback also, and then their wide receiver room. I mean, you know Kenny G. Galladay is is pretty solid. You bring in John Ross too to someone that just can you know can really stretch the field, and you add him with Sterling Shepard and with Slayton. You've got Ingram there, and then if Ingram has you know some of immaturity things or drops, you've got Kyle Rudolph, who's a very nice, proven tight end. On the offensive side, I feel like they have a good amount of weapons. They improved their defense a lot last year. I think this team has a big shot to win maybe nine games. I love this team. I locked in the over seven. Now, you mentioned their offensive talent. Let's just let's just lay it out on the board. They have Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, John Ross. They drafted the kid Tony from Florida State, mm-hmm. uh, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, Barkley. They added Kyle Rudolph. Now, here's something about um, Evan Ingram. When you look at tight ends that um, average, there's three tight ends that had over six games of over six targets. Obviously, Kelsey. Obviously, Waller. Who's the other one? Evan Ingram. In the um, Jason Garrett offense, the tight end is a vocal point. So Ingram is insane fantasy value, even though he just has other underachieved. But in terms of getting targets, he gets them, and that's what you want. I think offensively, this team has a ton of talent. They're getting Nate Solder back on the offensive line, who they greatly missed last year. Um, I think this team is in a line to surprise a lot of people. And defensively, this team was a top-five defense the last nine weeks of the season. Um, we talked about the signing of James Bradbury. That was one of the best free agent signings last year at all um you 
you talked about Daniel Jones. I think one of the best highlights you and I had last year was when we were doing that Thursday night. Uh, we were taping when they played the Eagles, and Danny Dimes broke free just for that touchdown, and then he fell on his ass. Um, you remember that? Like, oh, yeah. Like, you we couldn't were, stop laughing. Yeah, I was, it was dying. Great. It was great. Um, he, he, the, he's, he's got a little something, though. You know? Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I think he's going to take take a step forward. And, you know, they, they're they trying to do the right thing. They drafted all these young guys in the offensive line. I think they're going to finally take that step forward. And I think having Solder there, they're going to take that next step. I have them winning 10 games. I think they're in a great spot this year. Um, on the, And then in terms of spots, week four, I love the spot. They're getting the Saints on the road. This we just talked about. This isn't the same Saints game. Week five, they're getting Dallas. Dallas is coming off a, off off. Um, there's a It's a great spot in terms of where Dallas is playing. And then week six, they got your Rams coming coming to the um, West Coast for an early start time. I think their schedule lines up insanely great. And even to close the season, I mean, you got Philly. And Chicago in two of your last three games, so you're going to be able to get some wins to make that playoff push toward the end of the year. The New York Giants, I have uh, as a team slightly over 500. I've got them winning uh, nine games. I think they could beat Denver and Atlanta in two of their first three. At Washington, probably won't be easy, but that's not like a it's not a game that that's an obvious loss. We, you just mentioned the three in a row after that at New Orleans, at Dallas. Those are not as Maybe as tough as they might look at first glance on paper You come home for the Rams in Carolina And then you go at KC Okay, maybe that's a loss You come back, you get the Raiders at home um, At Tampa, maybe that's a loss But then you get Philly at Miami At the Chargers, you can win against Miami there too Yeah, I think this is a this is a close to 500 team I think they're going to be battling it out In a division where we will probably have I think three teams that are Close to nine or ten wins And I don't think Philly is going to be That good, we'll get to them in a minute But they, they have some talent And actually we can talk about Philly uh, I believe next because Philly is the, the next team That we're going to get to Six and a half uh, is their over under Is that what you had around them for Philly? I, I, I have six and a half, yeah So here's the problem for Philly They could lose a lot early Then late Things get a lot easier for them But they open at Atlanta, okay. You know, maybe that's a loss because they're on the road. Then they go San Fran. You know, San Fran's better. They go at Dallas. That's probably a loss. Kansas City. That's probably a loss. At Carolina, probably. Uh, you know, can you see that going either way? Then they get Tampa. Uh, you know, it, it's week eleven through week eighteen. You get New Orleans at home, then you go at the Giants and at the Jets, winnable games there. Washington, Giants back-to-back. Again, Washington and Dallas, a lot of your division games there too. I just, I don't know from a roster standpoint if if we're going to have the same problem with this team that we've had in years past. Do they have enough talented skill players? Devontae Smith already with some, uh, an MCL issue, you know, he's going to miss a couple weeks. Um... Rieger, Jalen Rager failed a conditioning test to start. So now, right now, the their number one receiver taking their snaps as their one. It's Travis Fulgham and Greg Ward Jr. are you know are alternating. Good tight ends with Goddard and Zach Ertz, sure. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this team this year, Eric. Where do you stand with Philly? Okay, so here's my thing. Like, 
I hate rubbing it in when I'm right, but you and I talked. I told you guys, Devontae Smith is too small, and he's already having the injuries. You know what I mean? That's why I hated that pick. I really feel like all their wide receivers are basically the same field stretching type. You have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts who's inaccurate, doesn't have that much arm strength, and people just want to compare him to Tyler Murray because he can run. He's nowhere near the runner Murray or Lamar Jackson that are. And he doesn't have anywhere near the arm strength. So I really think he's a guy that's getting overhyped. He's going to be a fantasy bust. But at the end of the day, the big questions for them is can their O-line stay healthy? Last year was a big issue. They don't have much depth. I think that's a big concern. Their DBs were awful last year. Are their DBs going to be able to defend at all? And I don't think so. I mean, I think the Lions actually made a good trade getting rid of Darius Slay because obviously wrong side of 30, his career starting to go down. Um, in terms of fantasy, I really feel with Doug Peterson being gone, we're finally going to see Miles Sanders at least get close to averaging 20 touches a game. Um, he, in my eyes, is just as talented as Sha- Saquon Barkley, but he just doesn't get as many opportunities as Saquon Barkley. Um, yeah, so I'm really low on this team. I have them winning six games just because of yeah. their offensive line depth issues, major quarterback concerns. I really don't think their DBs can defend at all. I, and I, also, I feel like everyone in the division has gotten is significantly better, better. And they've gotten worse. And I really feel they're, yeah. Completely yeah, agree. I, they um, I, they could be 0-6. I mean, they, that Atlanta, they, they, maybe they win it week one against Atlanta. Then you get San Fran, Dallas, Kansas City, at Carolina, at or, and then Tampa at home. That's not an easy stretch. I'm with you. I've never been a Hurts guy. And last year, you got to remember... Their offensive line was so bad They had so many injuries And Wentz was terrible That just any quarterback That could move around a little bit Was going to be in a better situation than Wentz was And he was going to look a lot better For that particular team Because he could at least help them move the ball When Wentz would drop back And just get teed off on He'd have no chance to throw the ball And when he did it was just to Really bad receivers At, At least at least Hurts could move around This year, there's film on him now People are going to exactly. be expecting it a little bit more He was, like you said He was never as flashy As a runner as as Murray Or even as great of a thrower He's kind of a winner, right? Like He's a good football player But I don't know if he's a great quarterback He would He would be a guy That could be, I think, a really good Backup quarterback for 10 or 15 years In the league, if, if he was on a good team You know He's in Tampa or you know somewhere the Rams and the Stafford or Brady goes down and he just has to go in for a game and lead a team. I think he could do that really well, but I just don't think he can be your guy. Not at all. And you hit it the nail on the head. Hertz came in, no one had film on him. Now people have film on him. So he is really gonna get exposed. And guys, there was a reason why he got benched in Alabama. There is a reason why he had to transfer to Oklahoma to get playing time. And there was a reason he wasn't a first-round draft talent. And there was a reason why everyone was blasting the Eagles when they drafted him. He's just not this all-world player we trying to make him out to be. But that's the thing. Like, as fantasy players, we make ties to things when we see things that are the same. So people see a guy that can run, and they're associating with Lamar and Murray. Hurts is a complete stay-away for me. I wouldn't touch him at all. We move along now to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, you got 10 and a half for their total over under. I have, I have 10 and a half and I have yep. to say this is the, this is the 
toughest team for me to figure out what to get a read on to get a feel for. Yeah, I, I, I agree because their talent is excellent. I think they're well coached, but quarterback wise, you know, Lance Garoppolo, um, that was very interesting. They've got a lot of question marks in the so wide receiver um, wide receivers room. Samuel and Ayuk could be really good one two, but then behind them it drops off quite a bit. If it's Samuel Ayuk and Kittle as your pass catchers, I mean Kittle's like a a wide receiver one, so that's that's really nice. If one of those guys gets banged up a little bit though, now you're you're not quite as deep. There um, in the running backs room You've got Mostert who's good when he's really healthy um, Sermon, Jeff Wilson Jr. Use check, like offensively They they do really well They were so banged up last year You'd have to imagine they get a little bit better Just luck as far as the uh, The injuries are concerned um, They're in a tough division I look at their schedule They start two on the road Which is never easy but they're two winnable games They've got Detroit and Philly That we both just Talked about aren't that great so you could Very easily go win win come home and play a Green Bay team that you've had really good success against And all of a sudden you're three and oh Um that that changes Everything I got him at 11 and six I just like this Is the thing we talked about it a couple weeks Ago with the Lakers like you and I both Agree that Palenka Has a plan 49ers Traded up to the third third pick in the Draft but it was going back And forth who they're gonna draft You know what I mean like that tells me those guys didn't have a plan. And it just blows my mind when you have Garoppolo, who's taking you to a Super Bowl, and don't get it twisted, I'm not a Garoppolo guy, but then you draft Lance. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know. Like, the whole way they handled that situation rubbed me the wrong way. Offensive line is great. Shanahan run system is great. But then you look at their running backs. Mozart has a history of getting hurt. They drafted Trey, Trey Sermon. So in terms of fantasy for season long, you're going to have to get both players because you definitely you want whoever the RB1 is but you don't know who the RB1 is. Yeah, I think so or you of, go a lot of questions there. Like Mostert, I I think I, I wouldn't be shocked if towards the end of the year he's not as valuable and maybe you know you use him early in the year and maybe you pick one or two other other guys that you think might be able to usurp a position later in the year cuz I agree with you. I'm I have some concerns about their depth in the skill positions. Um overall I think you know, I think they're still pretty good. I, I, I'm more likely that they're a, like a playoff team than I think that they're a five or six win team. So I, I, yeah, I had them at eleven, probably in that ten eleven range. Tough division though. I have, I have them at nine, and then defensively, we saw what happened when Bosa got hurt. If Bosa gets hurt, there's no pass rush because they don't have Buckner anymore. They have some holes in the secondary, and back to their offensive end. Everyone's touting Brandon Ayuk. Well, those targets he got when Debo. And Kittle were hurt are gone now He's third in line now Those two are going to get more targets So I'd completely stay away of Brandon Ayuk Yeah there's just I don't know With like the quarterback situation Bosa is going to be able to stay healthy Losing their defensive coordinator I did it once I had him winning 11 I did another time I had him winning 9 I did another time I had him winning 7 So I just decided 9 and 8 Let's get to Seattle Uh, You got them at 10 Is that right for their total? Yeah So uh, Seattle Will kick off their season on the road against an indie team that now uh, will be playing with a backup quarterback. Did did I read today that Sam Erlinger was taking the snaps for them as the number oh one? Sam yeah, Sam Erlinger, QB yeah. one. Yeah, the QB let one that, there. Clear that, eyes, full hearts. Clear eyes, full lose. hearts. Can't lose. Um, so 
they don't have the most difficult start to the year. They got the um, Indy, they get Tennessee at home, and then they go at Minnesota. That's on the road. Um, and then they come, they go at San Fran. Uh, they get the Rams in Week Five. I thought the end of the year where they go at Houston, um, at the Rams, and then Chicago, Detroit, Arizona. That's not that the most difficult stretch. And remember last year, the same thing happened for Seattle at the end of the year where they had a pretty easy end of the season and they they won a few games. And you were even saying. I'm probably going to play against them, but you know they'll win these games. They'll make the playoffs. They feel like again a pretty solid regular season team to me. Where do you have Seattle stacking up? I am so excited to see them offensively because they have a new coordinator in. They they hired um, the Rams passing game coordinator. I don't have his name in front of me right now, but they hired him to be their new OC. They're going to play at a fasting faster place. They're going to use an outside zone running system now for Chris Carson. And everything is going to be designed to get the ball out of Wilson's hand faster and give Metcalf, Lockett, those guys room in space to operate instead of the deep passing game down the field off the play action. So I'm really interested to kind of see like how this is going to work. And I really feel like getting the ball out of Wilson's hands quicker, he's going to be scrambling it less. and It's really going to hide the offensive line issue. So I'm really excited about that. I think this offense is going to be great defensively, you know, it's still an issue. I mean, their big thing is, is do you rush Jamal Adams to help the defensive line, which can get zero pressure. But when you rush Adams, then it leaves everyone in the secondary out to dry. And this isn't the old Legion of Doom from back in the day. The secondary, we have to remember, they were on pace to give up the most yards by a dramatic amount last year. Second half of the season, because it got weaker, it dropped down a little bit. But yeah, this defense has a lot of holes. But I think offense, I think this is going to be an offensive gem, and this is going to be an offense you want to target in fantasy. Chris Carson, you can get in the the fourth round. Carson. That's a a steal. And and Lockett's been – a lot of people have been cold on Lockett. It's particularly because uh, Metcalf is, you know, is so sexy to grab. Lockett is pretty steady. He has really good games and really good stretches, and he's become a lot more of a possession receiver too than just one who stretches the field. So don't be, don't sleep on Lockett either. Um, I like this team this year. Um, I don't, I don't know if I like them like Super Bowl winning like them. I've got them winning twelve games. I got them winning ten. And we also have to remember that um, this is a team that has probably the biggest home court, home field advantage, mm-hmm. and now you get fans back there. I mean, this is going to be a tough place to go play. I mean, yeah, I got them winning 10, and I think, you know, they're going to, like, be in the playoffs. But, again, I'll probably play against them in the first round. <laughs> exactly. Um, on paper, Tampa Bay Bucks, you're returning champs. They probably have the most complete roster when you just look at, like, some of the unit, uh, some of the projections I look at and stuff that grade a lot of the units. Like, they have Tampa as your number one um, overall. They have them with your... Your best offense and your number two ranked defense, and uh, they just don't have solid quarterback play, great receivers, the tight end depth is excellent, uh, offensive line is really good on the defense. They're pretty strong. Maybe their secondary is probably their weakness. Um, I don't know if Brady stays healthy and they win another Super Bowl, but they're they're pretty solid and in. A year where I look at a lot of the other top NFC contenders And I don't think New Orleans is going to be as good as they've been I think Green Bay is going to come back to life a little bit here um, I just don't Who who scares you more than them Is probably how I Is a better way of putting it, you know 
I, and I, I think it comes down to them or the Rams that come out of yeah. the NFC. But with the Bucks, like you said, I mean, they're returning all 11 on offense and all 11 on defense. They're returning everything single starter. They get a camp this year, which they didn't get last year with Brady and some of those new pieces. They added Gio Bernard, who's a true like running back out of the backfield that can catch a ball, which Brady loves because James White is going to be the James White role. Offensive line played way better than they thought they would play. Defensive line you cannot run against at all with what they have up front. Yeah, they're defense. They have some young guys in the secondary you can pick on, but I mean, you look, you look at their end of their schedule, okay. Week 15, New Orleans, home Carolina, home Jets, week 18, Carolina. So if they need to make a push, that's it. I mean, even week 13. Starting only, starting in week 11, yeah. how about that? Yeah. So they go at Washington, which is probably tough, but that's coming off of a bye. And then they go home for the Giants, home for the Colts, or at the Colts, at the Falcons, Buffalo. Like, those are all games they could win. Yeah, and but but then on the flip side, you look at the beginning. I mean, I really feel that Dallas game is going to be a lot closer if yep. everyone's healthy for Dallas. Um, play Atlanta at home, okay, at, fine. At, at the ramp, and they're going to get their shots. Everyone's going to take shots at them early in the year, right? Because they're your returning Super Bowl champs. Everyone wants to beat you. You get a couple primetime games, two out of the first four weeks of the year, three out of the first six weeks of the year. You're playing at night, prime time, so you'll get big shots from everyone. I think that they'll sort of like how they were last year too. I wouldn't be shocked if they're like maybe three and three, four and two, and then they win like five games in a row. And then they just rattle it off. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, but I'm looking at, like, I can tell you right now, I'm going to take your boys, the Rams in week three. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take new England like week four. Those are two great situational Especially spots. Especially Belichick against Tampa and oh, Brady. Sure. Right? Oh yeah. And then you got Washington, Washington, who we're going to talk about next is a damn good squad. That's going to be a tough game. So I'll definitely be looking to take them. But yeah, like like you, you hit on the head. I think they're going to struggle. I could easily see them going two and two or one and three, their first four. And then they just rattle off with Miami, Philly, Bears, Saints right before the bye. Four straight before the bye. I mean, they so got, yeah. Three, they got four. Like Scotty Miller is a solid receiver and he's their fourth, yeah. you know, behind Evans, Godwin, and Antonio Brown. You've got three tight ends. Like Gronkowski, OJ Howard, and Cameron Braid are all like solid. Fournette and Ronald Jones are nice. And you mentioned you get Bernard. They've got they're deep at every position on on the offensive side. Yeah, they are. Um they're just gonna they're gonna have to deal with, you know, being a returning Super Bowl champ and taking the best shot from everyone. And of course, you know, Brady's not getting younger, so some an issue, something to Brady changes their their whole prospects of their season. But uh yeah, they're the team to beat. They they feel like the team to beat, um, and I mean I am going twelve and five. I mean I just exactly start up the season a little bit slower, and I mean there's just a lot of question marks on their schedule. I mean week twelve, like what's going on with the Colts? You know I have that as a At loss. I mean that yeah. could be easily that could easily be a win. Um, but yeah, if they if they go three and one to start the first four games because that's win 14, in my eyes, right? yeah, that's yeah they could just run the table and be. Really? really, really impressive. Like, but in terms of offense, like it's hard for DFS though. Like DFS yep. is just a nightmare because you don't know running back wise. Okay, who's it going to be? You know, because now they have three guys in there instead of just the two. Wide receiver, yeah. If they play someone who's weak against the slot, you can use Godwin. Mike Evans, like surprisingly, he had more games over a hundred yards than I thought he did. But I 
just he just you know was ultra consistent. But is they're he gonna good be for regular consistent? football, yeah. but they're hard to to uh, to fantasy. gauge fantasy football, right? Except it's nice to have stud receivers all over the place because you know you can spread it around. But spreading it around is is not what we want when we're looking week to week when we need players that are going to start and score touchdowns. Yeah, you want a known something that's known, and we don't have anything that's known on this team. And that's the thing that's frustrating. Final team in our NFC preview. We're going to get to a, a team that Eric has teased uh, a couple times, uh, mentioning that he likes. And I am I think they're going to go over. Uh, did you have eight and a half for them? Eight and a half, yes. So I, I've got them at either uh, nine. I, I had them at like nine and a half because I have nine and ten in a couple of different um, looks through their schedule. And so I kind of met it at nine and a half. I like their roster a lot. I think their defense is excellent. Their front seven is really good. And I, I legitimately think their backfield's gonna be better. I think McLaren is a is a nice number one. They bring in Samuel who'll help them out a little bit. Logan Thomas had a very nice season last year. He's super talented. My only concern is I thought they do have a, a sort of tough schedule. Um th- now they should they could surprise some teams. But starting in week three, now your first two games, you got the Chargers and the Giants at home. Those are totally winnable games. Then you go at Buffalo and at Atlanta. You come back and play New Orleans and Kansas City at home. Then you go at Green Bay at Denver. So from week three, at Buffalo, Atlanta, New Orleans, Kansas City, at Green Bay, at Denver. You take your bye. You come back. You play Tampa at Carolina, Seattle at the Raiders, Dallas at Philly, at Dallas, Philly. That's a long stretch of, you know, probably three or four games that you think are really tough, but the rest of them, there's 10 in there that are like, ah, that could go either way. So I I have them stacked because I like their defense, because I really like what they do with bringing in Fitzpatrick. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt in a couple spots. So like I said, I've got them in like the nine and a half range. Um, Just I, I, they're a team that I'll probably play a lot week to week more even than a full season. Um, because their numbers and their spots might might be good, but they are a team that I'd like to have locked in because if they get if they look good, like let's say week three they win at Buffalo, and this team is a little bit like their defense is excellent, Fitzpatrick looks good, and then we go, uh oh, they might be a farther along than we thought right now, and that's like that week three game at Buffalo that's kind of like the tester for them for me. Totally agree, and we need to remember like Baltimore to start the season. They play Pitt, which is going to be soft. They play Miami, who I think soft. This is going to be a tough test for Buffalo. Buffalo could come in, and they could get a surprise punch in the face because this defense, they have seven guys drafted in the first round starting on the defense. They added William Jackson from the Bengals, who's another great shutdown, lockdown cornerback, and they're getting Landon Collins back. Are you kidding me with how much talent on the defensive side of the ball? And we need to remember – this team played the Buccaneers the toughest out of anyone in the playoffs, and they're running out a guy, a third-string quarterback last year. They legitimately could have won that game with a third-string quarterback against the, the, against the team that won the Super Bowl. You bring in Fitzpatrick. In the Turner offense, you have to run the RPOs, and Fitzpatrick ran the RPOs. Fitzpatrick's a lot more mobile than, mobile than people give him credit for. You bring in Curtis Samuel, who's going to be lined up all over the field, slot, backfield, the whole nine yards. I see Gibson's 206 touches going up. I think this offensive line is insanely better than people realize. 
if Fitzpatrick can come in and just give like a Trent Gilfer or Joe Flacco type season, you know, just be solid, throw it down the field when you need to, not turn the ball over, it wouldn't surprise me if this team ends up in the NFC Championship game. Because behind the Rams and the Bucks, I mean, they're the third best team in the. There's in the no, NFC. there's not a lot of scary teams. There's not. Yeah. And even like you said, the Rams are good, but if they have an injury or two, I'm always in the. I'll take the defense first because you know what you're going to get every day from this defense. They're awesome. They have such high level players at on, like on the defensive side. Um, and just when you look like uh, the units that they have. Are are just excellent all over the place uh, defensively. Some of the 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 ab- best in NFL with uh, pain in the defensive interior. Then you got Young and you got Sweat. Then you you mentioned Landon Collins returning as top level talent there for a team that McLaurin is a really good wide receiver too. He he could be a monster this year. With Fitzpatrick, I like them. I think they have a big shot to win their division. Um, I said I got them in the nine and a half range, maybe a nine or ten wins. And uh, um, Washington will be a fun team that I'm going to be uh, be playing and kind of keeping an eye on a lot this year. I think they're gonna, they're because of their defense, they're going to be an insanely tough out. Mm-hmm. They'll be they're tough for be an any team to be tough out. And I mean, you look at their schedule; they catch Kansas City right after they play Buffalo. I mean, they catch the they're catching the top tier teams they play in great spots. They catch them at great spots. But with that being said, I mean, if they go into Buffalo and they beat beat Buffalo, Atlanta plus the points is a hammer spot in Week Four. Um, you know, they that game against the um, game uh, Week Ten versus Fen spot against the Buccaneers. Um, yeah, I really really like this team. And you look at their schedule, Week Fourteen on. They got Dallas, Philly, Dallas, Philly, New York. So if it comes down to a two-headed or three-headed monster race between the Giants, Cowboys, and Washington, they're playing against those teams so they can make up ground easily. Yeah, I like this team a lot. Third best team in the NFC in my eyes. So we are through team-by-team previews. Uh, We finish up with the NFC here. Um, Make sure to give Eric a follow at ETOF21Sports on Twitter and on Instagram. Eric, if you are up for it, maybe next week, we will do like a real fantasy focused um, segment where we can kind of go through each of the positions, some players that we like, players that we don't like, to ones to avoid. Maybe we can kind of talk about some of our personal tiers. And then um, maybe uh, the following week we can kind of do um, a more focused like uh, divisional winners, wild card. We'll go through predictions for playoffs and all the way through the Super Bowl. So maybe we can have some uh, some things set up for the next few weeks if you're up for it. Sounds good. I'm in. Just to piggyback one thing you said earlier that I totally forgot to mention. You mentioned about the injuries in training camp. We need to remember that because last year we really didn't have a training camp. We really didn't have these yes. preseason games. Yes. So we really need to make sure we monitor all this stuff because stuff is constantly changing. I think um, Traycon Smith got hurt and left the field today for the Saints. Mm-hmm. So it's really important, guys. You guys got to stay on top of stuff. Like my fantasy football guide, I have it on Google Docs. I don't think there's been a two days in a row when I haven't changed the rankings on people just because of injuries and everything that's going out. So give us a plug on change. that one more time. The thing is what uh, eight ninety nine. Well, no, eight ninety nine was pre sale. Now it's twelve ninety nine. Twelve ninety nine. Twelve ninety nine. Um, it's forty six pages long. Top two hundred positional rankings. Um, top two hundred rankings overall. Positional rankings. Offensive line rankings. You mentioned 
handcuff. I have a handcuff grid where you can kind of see like I rank everyone's running game and like who the starter is, who the handcuff is. Uh, like I said, offensive line rankings. I go team by team. Um, I kind of tell you what system they run offensively and defensively. And then I give you a round by round draft, like how I do it when I draft a team. I just go, I tell you what I look for rounds one through 16 and how I kind of build my team. Incredible information there from Eric. A big thank you always for helping us out here, buddy. And uh, we look forward to talking more football with you over the next few weeks. This is when we really get nerdy. We really de- uh, dive in and uh, so much to discuss leading up to the start of the NFL season now. And, and hey, we, we got some games that we can watch even with uh, these preseason games starting and, uh, and coming up. So, Eric, uh, give everybody your plugs one more time with your website and, uh, and what you have coming up in the next few days. Um, my website's etalk 21 Sports. I, I got to update my soccer and betting tracking sheets, which hopefully will be up there later today or tomorrow. Um, my podcast this week, um, my buddy Dylan's going to be coming on. We're going to be talking about Summer League because Summer League's going on in Las Vegas. Some players have stood out for us. Um, we're also going to talk about my buddy Brandon's going to come on. We're going to talk a little NASCAR betting. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm just doing a lot of stuff. I'm going to tell the story how a 65-year-old chick tried to pick me up at the grocery store, and now I feel nice. really old. Nice. So, um, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of stuff going on, and, uh, you know, looking forward to it, looking forward for football season. Can't get here, can't get here enough. Probably Back got some experience. Probably got some experience, you know. She probably got it. Probably got some experience there. Probably knows a few things well, that she, she might not know. Here, so here, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> like, I love yogurt. I love these goddamn yogurt parfaits at this new grocery store where I moved to. I'm like loading up my cart, and like I look over and I see an older lady, and she has a she's dressed like a 22 year old, and she's like 65 with gray hair. <laughs> any yes. guy, any guy is gonna do a double look. I did the double look. And she's, oh, what next, are you looking at? Next thing you know, I go back to the park. She comes rolling over there. Oh, are you new in the area? Oh, my oh. God. You want to go grab a drink? No, she ma'am. She starts it, full it was court a, pressing me. I it was like, like I, a car accident double take. It wasn't a good double take, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. And, like, I mean, like, I'm a good talker. I mean, like, I have, like, I mean, I've dated, like, I've dated some celebrities. I can talk the game a little bit, but. I was totally fucked. I was like spitting out words because this was like so like Un- awkward no for idea. you. I, it was so fucking awkward. Like I, <laughs> I gave her my number, but I changed the last digit just like in case I see her again. I can just be like, "Hey, sorry." You oh, know, it was a stay. typo. You must have missed know? the wrong one. <laughs> so it's like Jesus, but it kind of made me feel old and realizes I need to get a haircut and clean up the act a little bit. So. <laughs> Eric having some fun there uh, He's a magnet for the ladies Out at the grocery stores if you see him around Getting some of those parfaits <laughs> Eric eats off 2-1 sports He'll be back helping us out Next week we'll have more of a fantasy Focused uh, preview so thank you buddy Have a good rest of your week uh, You too my man Don't go anywhere folks still plenty more here on this episode Of That's What She Said Horse racing fans many of us Have been using the DRF, the daily racing form for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. 
past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com the nfl previews and uh, analysis getting y'all set up for the season will continue here on that's what g said over the coming weeks eric will help us out we'll bring in some other guests to talk nfl too when the season gets going we're going to be uh, focusing a lot on the nfl over the coming months but you will Always get a ton of focus on horse racing in particular, Stable Duel. Let's talk about the Stable Duel schedule coming up this weekend. StableDuel.com for all your information. Remember, you can download the app for free anywhere you get your uh, you get your apps. And Stable Duel is a, an app that's a daily horse racing contest. You pay to enter whatever contest you want to get in, and it's just like any uh, wagering app that you deposit your money, you withdraw uh, if you, you win, and you can play in a bunch of different games from you know free games all the way up to $500 entry fees games of all different kind of formats where you know they they pay out to you know the top 20 or 30 sometimes paying out to a, a you know top 40% and a double up so check out the rules for a lot of these games if you ever have any questions I'm happy to help you out like on Friday they have 10 different contests at seven different tracks Del Mar has three games a $10 entry a 50 and a $500 there's a free ride at Delaware. Gulfstream Park has a $50 game and then a $10 game. Woodbine with a $250 entry. Ellis with a $25 game and Penn with a $25 game. Emerald Downs with a $7 entry on Friday. Then on Saturday, there's a big one at Del Mar. It's the $150 entry, $9,000 wine for the win with cash prizes in addition to wine bonuses. Check that out. 11 different contests from 6 different tracks. Del Mar, Gulfstream, Ellis, Monmouth, Woodbine, and Golden Gate. Then on Sunday, 6 tracks, 10 different contests. Del Mar has 3 different opportunities for you. They've got a 
a $150 game, a $500 game, and then a $10 game. Uh, Gulfstream with two, Ellis Park with two, Monmouth, Woodbine, and Golden Gate. That's just this weekend. Think about that. 10, 11, 10. Just this weekend, there are more than 30 different options for you at Stable Duel. Games from free all the way up to $500 entry, ranging for players of all sizes. Stable Duel. Get those entries in and play, race, win. Let's start talking some Friday horse racing. Get the past performances out. We're going to head to Saratoga. So, I'm looking at Friday, August the 13th. And we're going to go to race number two at Saratoga. We got $50,000 beaten claimers. Uh, three-year-olds and up, which have never won three. Or three-year-olds, mile and a 16th on the turf course. I'm looking at the seven here. Hyper Focus, who going to go first start up the claim for Linda Rice. Now, does, she, does this guy need to improve a little bit? Yes. He tried dirt last time out, but he's back on the turf. You go back to that May 8th race. There were three next out winners, including, yes, this time, who was a grade three winner and was really sharp. The March 27th race is not bad. Did have some legitimate trouble late. Prior to that, you see a win against First Level Allowance Company, defeating uh, Easy Time, who's uh, actually a, a nice one also. What makes Sammy run? Hyper focus, a little sneaky in this spot. Throw this one into some of your early exotics. Uh, 15 to 1 on the morning line. If you can get anything around 10 to 1, might be worthy of a win wager and a few bucks on Hyper Focus. Let's move to race number 7 for our next play. We're going to look at races 7, 8, and 9. Uh, I'm looking at the 1, pure Bodie in the 7th. So he took a shot uh, on the sloppy racetrack on December the 5th, and I think you can just put a line right through that because then he we didn't see him again t- until July. Comes back, uh, hurt. We didn't see her again until July. She comes back in July. Kind of a sneaky trip with some trouble. She had a fine start. She was with the leaders, and then they grabbed a hold, and she, she's taken back to third. She settles about five lengths off, and the the leader, the, the top two kind of run off a little bit. And she gets and ends up getting stuck inside. She's traveling well, and she tries to angle around. She's third until late in the stretch and ends up fading. It's kind of a weird race, and it was her first start. In seven, seven, almost eight months. And so, pure Bodie, I'm expecting a much bigger effort. Gets to save all the ground from the inside. Second start off the long layoff was behind a horse named Spongy, who came back and didn't run all that great. But Spongy was uh, was really impressive in winning that July race. So, pure Bodie, the number one, who is eight to one on the morning line. I had this one pegged more like a four to one shot or so. So, anything around four or five feels really fair to me on pure Bodie. Let's move to race number eight. Got an optional 80 non two allowance in here. Five and a half furlongs on the turf course. I'm looking at the two duress who had a slow start, was last, then wanted to go, was in between horses, and took up badly. Just a brutal first furlong or so for this one. Finished behind gear jockey. Actually came back and ran really well again to kind of just you know emphasize that that was a strong race duress comes out of. Now you get Joel Rosario jumping aboard. Going to go third start off of the bench, third start of the form cycle. I'm expecting a big effort from the number two, Duress. Six to one on the morning line. I had this one pegged more like four to one or so. So anything around there uh, feels really fair. Let's get to the ninth. <clears throat> it's the tail of the cat. A couple horses to look at in this race. So, you know, it's not the biggest field in the world, but it does seem like there should be a pretty good amount of pace signed on. Right, you look at Foolish Ghost, who you'd imagine is going to be really quick. Uh, wonder where Craig is, is is really quick. Wind of Change is really quick. 
You have three horses in here who are pretty fast. I, I like my boy Tate, if not for the rail. So I don't quite love him as much in this spot. I thought both the two and the three at, at probably decent prices in this small field were, were actually intriguing. Shaw Shaw Shake Me Up is going to go uh, first start off the claim for a, a very good barn first off the claim and did not run poorly at Saratoga last time out. Should be able to kind of stalk. Maybe gets a, a, a trip and a, and a jump on a horse like Bowen Raison who likes Saratoga though. And he's one who you can make some excuses for. Needed his last start. Two back in the slop. Put a line right through it. Three starts back. He's in the Breeders' Cup sprint. Prior to that, you know, you got to race on the grass in the turf sprint. You can put a line through. Now the form starts looking a little bit better. I got the three. Bowen Raison and the two. Shaw Shaw Shake Me Up as horses to use in some of your late exotics there. And that is Friday for Saratoga. Best of luck on Friday at Saratoga. As we head over to Del Mar for Friday. Remember, we will be uh, doing a live stream for Del Mar Friday at 5 o'clock east, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. If you just follow me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. We're going to have a, a couple guests to go through the Del Mar Friday card. And we'll also give out a couple plays for Del Mar Saturday that we like. So uh, you'll get a lot of this same analysis there, but perhaps uh, any in updated information. We're going to talk about it also from sort of like a stable duel perspective. Horses that we you know we think are best used and, and horses that we should be using in the in our lineups because of the prices. So let's get those past performances out for Del Mar for Friday, August the 13th. So in the opener, uh, Distorted Diva is obviously super logical, but the two horses that intrigue me the most, um, my main champ, the first-time starter, the dam of this one, actually won the debut going six furlongs on the turf course. Mike Maker has been rolling all across the country, and the the sire, champ Pegasus, was second in the Breeders' Cup turf. was really nice on the grass. So my main champ wouldn't talk you off that one. Make sure to use in some of your early exotics to kick off the pick five. But Agador Spartacus. I do not wear shoes because they make me fall down. Yes, uh, shoes. They hurt my feet. Agador Spartacus, a great character from the birdcage. And I think this horse is going to step forward on the grass. Now, let's look what he's done on the dirt so far. Okay, he hasn't been great in three starts, but look who he's faced. In his debut, he hooks a horse named Big City Lights, who comes back to win his next start by seven-plus lengths in a stakes race. Career start number two. He ends up hooking Rock and Rye. That was the same horse who was third in the debut race. Rock and Rye comes back and beats Agador on May the 30th, and Rock and Rye wins his next start, the graduation stakes, by four. Career start number three, hooks a horse named What in Blazes, who is an open-length winner in that one. So, Agador's dam was 0 for 4 in her career to start on the dirt. Then she tries turf, she runs second at 23 to 1. She ends up running on the turf 27 times, she has 3 wins, 3 seconds, and 10 thirds. Really consistent on the grass, and much better on the turf than she was on the dirt. Kind of a similar profile to this horse, not showing a whole ton. I think she had a second, but she was well beaten. The lone sibling... For Agador, one for four on the turf. So he comes out of some strong races. He's going to step onto a surface where he's bred to be much, much better. I think he's he's got an opportunity to, to really improve here at a nice price. So my main champ, Distorted Diva and Agador Spartacus. He works hard for his monies. So hard for his monies. God, great movie.
Love me a little birdcage. Let's get to race number two, Delmar. Um, I didn't think anything too outside the box in here. Samurai Charm is going to be tough. Second off the long layoff, the one to catch for Roma. This is a total Bill Spar special, right? This is the kind of thing Bill Spar used to do. Claim a horse. Get him in the, the Bill Spar program. Get him ready to fire a big one at Del Mar. So uh, nothing, nothing too outside the box here for me. As we head to race number three, the one... Applaud the bench is is a bit interesting in here. The dam was a stakes winner on the turf. This barn is much better with horses that have a, a start or two or just a little bit of racing experience. Um, the dam has produced a couple siblings. One of them tried the turf, um, was 0 for 5 on the grass, but did have a second and third and actually ran pretty well. So I think Applaud the bench will enjoy the the grass. It's just I, I'm I don't love the rail, and that's that could you know turn me off of maybe playing this horse a little more to win. Um, then maybe just kind of using in some other exotics along with the three wrong turn Cupid, who's going to be very live and logical for a really good first out barn. Mamba Queen, who is also uh, going to get Lasix for the first time and has shown good speed and was, you know, can't really knock the uh, effort last time out against Open Company. Now in with with Calbreds and Kitten's Kid, <clears throat> four winning siblings, one of them on the grass, so. I would use the one along with uh, some of the other logicals, three, four, and six. Moving to the fourth race at Del Mar. Um, yeah, uh, this, the eight. Uh, La Pusinella, who's coming into the Moquette barn, shipping out from Churchill down. Flavian Pratt jumps aboard. No doubt the one to beat. Queen of Love, I was a little intrigued by, you know, putting a couple starts together. I think. She can run a little better. Class Code is the one who I'll probably give another shot to. Class Code broke out, was 7th of 8th in that race at LaSalle, and just kind of got going late down the middle of the racetrack, was only a length out of second. She's got a little bit more positional speed than than she showed last time out. So I'll probably use Class Code, uh, the 6 along with the 8 in most of the exotics here. As we move along to race number 5, Calbred Maiden Specials Mile on the turf course here. Let's go looking for a big bomb. What I like too is, uh, you know, Tiger's Arrow reportedly working pretty well in the mornings. Adding the blinkers. Career debut July the 23rd. Got bumped at the start. And then runs into some traffic towards the rear. About 10th. About 8 lengths off in 10th of 12. But was actually moving well inside. But had nowhere to go. So tries again to find room late. Gets shut off. There were four different times throughout the race where this horse had trouble. It's a first time out going long for a barn who's not that great first time out for a barn who's really good second time out. So sneaky trouble. Now second time out, you're going to add the blinkers. You get a very good and underrated turf rider to stay aboard for a very good second time out barn. He he wasn't going to win that last race. But he was beaten six and a half lengths or six and a quarter lengths there. He could have been a lot closer. A lot closer. Tiger's arrow. Let's use him in all of our exotics. Um, other logicals in here. The five Donner Lake. The six Talamark. The seven Club Mesquite. I'd probably include in some two. Along with the eight and the nine. So I'll put the three on top of all of them. And then maybe all of them over the three in some exotics as well. See if we can get Tiger's arrow home at a big clip. Sixth race, $20,000 claimers, non-winners of three lifetime races. 
Scabbard, super logical, wouldn't be a shock. Course has got some backlash who has been in some some tough races. Box of Chocolates has faced better in the last couple, and he'll likely come running. Uh, but I do like the ten in here quite a bit, Aliva. And if Aliva's in the seven to two ish range, I'll bet him to win. Now he was in a little bit tight early on, but he was right at the challenge for the lead. He sat second. He was just off. But he was no match for the the leader and the eventual winner, C to success. He tried hard. He loomed up to within a, a half of a length, and he was a clear cut second. He really kept trying hard all the way. That was his first start in a few months, and that was only his second start since August of last year. So really, he's just, this is going to be his third start now in just eleven months, and and only his second. That he's going to put together I'm expecting a lot more punch He's drawn well so he's got that Nice tactical kind of positional speed Where he can place himself at striking range He can sit off just a little bit He's going to get a slight cutback today The number 10 Oliva In race number 6 We move to race number 7 here 5 furlong allowance on the turf course The the number 6 Harvard Memories just looks really good to me Turning back To Five furlongs after trying a mile in the ocean side that was really good in back-to-back sprints going six and a half down at Santa Anita, and then you know tried to tried better last time out and drew the inside and had a good start, then settled fourth a couple lengths off, but then got you know things got really tight there, had to back up a little bit, lost a couple lengths. It was it was then back to you know the the third flight where you see sixth about three three plus lengths off, then moves up nicely into contention, but just. Didn't have a whole lot of room, and then by the time there was some room, it was late. It was in the stretch, and it was like probably after his best run had been dulled, he, he was flat a little bit. I think this cutback is just going to be beautiful for Harvard memories. You look around, you get some pace from Poso Creek, you get some pace from Willie Boy, you get some pace from Goodwood People, Commander Kai, Love My Jimmy. They're all going to be forwardly placed in here. Should set up very well for horses like Beer My Can or Beer My Can, Beer Can Man, and Harvard Memories. Give me Harvard Memories uh, over the one, two, and five, and Harvard Memories as like a, a late exotic single here. We move to the eighth and final maiden thirty-two thousand dollar claimers, five and a half furlongs the distance. I see a horse like the one Eddie Spaghetti for Peter Miller uh, off the claim first time gelding. You got to imagine this horse is well meant in this kind of a spot and probably expect to see a little more speed from the rail from uh, from this guy. Beaten favorite in the debut for O'Neill. The eight Chris Fix first time starter for Miotti. The dam of this one won four times. Three siblings, two multiple winners. Fine little pedigree here for a barn who's actually very good debuting with maiden claimers. You've got the three, you're my boy, Cat, who takes the blinkers off. You've got the six, State of the Union, who gets off the rail and is training pretty well. First off the claim for Jeff Bondi, so I'd make sure to give this one a look in an inclusion in some exotics. And then the two, Prince Hussar, damn, this one was a four-time winner, stakes winner on the uh, the turf. So the, the, this barn's actually super capable with first-time starters as well. One, eight... Three, six, and two. Kind of how I had him stacked in that eighth and final from Del Mar on Friday. Best of luck with your Friday racing over at Saratoga, over at Del Mar. And after you make a bunch of money and you want to celebrate, you want to get some cool swag, or maybe you want to buy some gifts for some of your friends that love horse racing, check out oldsmokeclothing.com. 
quality clothing and merchandise rooted in the iconic symbols of horse racing. We're talking hats, t-shirts, hoodies, zip-ups, long sleeves, a variety of selection that you have never seen before. It's not like you can just walk into a normal store at the mall. This is your one-stop shop there, oldsmokeclothing.com. And when you use the promo code G-I-N-O, free shipping on your order. Yep, free shipping on the order with promo code G-I-N-O. Let's get into Saturday for Saratoga. We'll go Saratoga, then we'll get into Del Mar and some Arlington. So past performance is out August the 14th. We're going to go to race number two. So race two, we've got a maiden specials, six and a half furlongs. The distance, these are three-year-olds and up. I thought the two ubiquitous was a little interesting. Probably one I'll throw in um, into some of the early exotics, mainly because the race that he comes out of. Uh, probably thinking, oh, nice, we'll go Florida bred to not get the strongest field in the world, and, and we'll hook a horse like Soup and Sandwich, who's going to come back and run second in the Florida Derby and run in the Derby. I, I like Sticky Issue in here. And because there are a couple others that you know might have uh, a little more, I don't even know upside, but just might be a little more intriguing to play, I wouldn't be shocked if Sticky Issue gets forgotten about a tad in here. He's actually 6-1 to one on the morning line. I thought 7-2-ish to two-ish or so felt a lot more fair for him. He was a step slow. He moved through nicely um, up to 5th. Up to he was in behind uh, a rival. But then he got room inside. He ended up angling around. Uh, but then he had to, you know, he had to wait to move after the winner. It was a pretty good effort. He was a clear-cut second best that day. Sticky issue in all early exotics for me. Anything around seven to two, and and possibly even an early exotic single. One horse I just want to mention. I just, I thought it was intriguing, and I just want to. I, I took a couple looks more at. Is obviously the uh, the sixth Mezcal, who is a daughter of Catherine Sophia, who I loved. But she didn't have a lot of turf success. But she was really nice. And you got to figure with working this filly on the the grass a couple times, they liked enough of what they saw from Mezcal. So probably one just, I'm not sure if I would play this horse to win if I got over like six or seven to one, but more of just one to throw into your early pick fives. Let's get to the. Eighth race, Saratoga for Saturday. We've got a first level allowance here for three year olds, seven furlongs the distance. I like Speaker's Corner, so I will use him in late exotics, but I, I am concerned because you, you know, you even hear Mott talk about they had some issues getting back to the races, so he really could need a race in here, and this might not be his best best distance despite seeing that he has won at 7. Now the race that he was a monster race that he won. Go back and look at all those next out winners from the October 11th race that he incredible field that he ends up beating and and horses that came back not only to win next out but just be very good down the line. Look at the horse in second and third Cotto River and Greatest Honor. But you know, if he gets that 3-year-old improvement, he's right there. I like him best as a horse. I'm a little worried about this being a little too much for him. He could get a good trip. You know, Ducali and Mahamel are nice. Defeater's nice. He hasn't run since uh, February, though. Meister's going to make his first start at three. He could show some improvement. You expect better from table for t- or from 10 for 10. I don't know if I'll be playing Speaker's Corner to win. I won't leave him out of my late exotics, though. 
So if you know if he he's six to one on the morning line, if he is over that, I'll probably put a few bucks on him. In the ninth, it's the Saratoga special. I mean, pick pick a way to go in here. Just cool race because there's so many horses that you can build cases for with upside. Obviously, Doctor Jeff's going to get a lot of money because he got the big figure in the the debut win. Stolen base is going to get action. I thought High Oak was worth using, and High Oak's going to need to improve a little bit, but. What I liked for him is he won for a Mott Who's not always thought of as cranking In the first time starters And High Oak had a good beginning But he got shuffled back on the inside About 3-4 lengths off He had to angle 3 wide And he really got going late He was 3 wide and in between horses High Oak Is he going to need to improve To beat this group? Sure He showed a little something there And I think High Oak Gets a nice trip Looking for something in the uh, 6 8 to 1 range on High Oak, the number 11. We move to the four star Dave. Nothing really too cute for me. I mean, Raging Bull is going to be obviously very logical from the re- the inside. I would probably be okay with trying to beat him with Casa Creed and Set Peace. I prefer Set Peace, who's just really, really sharp right now. Not a big fan of the pace horses in here because I do think Whisper Knot. Is going to show some speed I do think Blowout's going to show some speed Field Pass shouldn't be too far out of it I don't know if any one of them are going to get the kind of trips That they really want Or we're, you know, will get their maximum Effort So let's look for Set Piece, Casa Creed uh, Those two, obviously Raging Bull would be no shock I wouldn't really talk you off of him But if you're going to play him Probably just single him and, and move on in your uh, Rolling Exotics So that is Saturday over at Saratoga Let's head over to uh, let's head over to Del Mar. We'll head over to Del Mar. Before we do, we want to remind you about our friends over at SarahCandles.com, C-E-R-A Candles.com. All natural soy wax candles, free from toxins, free from pollutants, free from carcinogens. The promo code G-I-N-O will get you 10% off your purchase. C-E-R-A Candles.com, a great gift for someone. SarahCandles.com Three different sizes, scents of all flavors For all different seasons C-E-R-A Candles.com, promo code G-I-N-O So we'll get to Del Mar first And then we'll end with the uh, the Arlington uh, Arlington plays So Del Mar Saturday Let's go to race number two We're looking at August the 14th there is no speed in this second race. It's 25 claimer. Mylan is 16th on the turf. I'm, I'm just hoping that uh, Rispoli decides to get aggressive and send. He, he had a good start with luck of the draw last time, but he just was not asked. He ends up settling in between horses like fifth or sixth. He was four lengths off, then he has to wait, angled around wide, and he got going late, but with a different kind of trip, he would have been right there, and that's what I'm hoping. You look up and down this field, there is just not that much pace whatsoever. Let's go with the number three, Luck of the Draw. Anything around three to one feels fair on him. If, let's see if he can steal this uh, this opener. Or uh, steal this uh, second race, excuse me. Opener of opening play for us on Saturday. Let's get to the six. We're going to look at races six, seven, eight, and nine for a couple other uh, Del Mar Saturday plays. So... Flipping to the six. It's a first level allowance going a mile on the turf course. The five Carpe Fortuna is going to be very tough in here. I think if, if you get anything around, you know, five to two, 
that feels really fair. He bro- She broke out. She kind of bumped at the start. Then she got a really nice split, and she closed very well. I love the fact that she's able to put two starts together in here. Seems like she's coming into this race very well. The number five, Carpe Fortuna. We'll make a, a win wager here if we get anything over five to two. In the seventh race, a first-time starter here that I found a, a little bit intriguing for uh, a barn that knows and uh, connections that know how to get horses to go very, very fast. I'm um, talking about the eight to the outside for Caesar D'Alba and Fast Buck, the first-timer who's damn won twice and has three winning siblings to discuss. And just seems like there's some little sneaky ability with Fast Buck over at Los Alamitos. This one is 8-1 on the morning line. Anything around 5 feels fair on Fast Buck. Let's move to race number 8. It's the CTT and TOC. I will use the one Niji Blanche as a late exotic single. I think getting the inside draw and being able to save all the ground in here. Just wait, wait, wait. She's a classy individual and uh, I think she should be set for a nice sort of second half of the season here with a couple of distance turf races on the SoCal circuit. The number one, Niji Blanche, will end up using as a late exotic single off that 3-1 to one morning line. In the ninth at Del Mar, the four all stand taller. Should get a, a, a nice trip in here. You look at uh, the one who's going to probably have to send from the rail. Let's get lucky is going to be showing some speed in here towards the outside. Big story isn't probably sprint speedy, but shouldn't be too far out of it. But uh, Nishirian will also be pressing the pace a little bit. So they're going quick. All stand taller gets a little bit of a cutback. So a little more punch for this one who's already coming out of a productive race in a similar spot on July the 24th right here. Lots to like about the number four. All stand taller. Seven to two. If we can get anything around three to one, you know, we'd, we'd want over five to two or so, but maybe even uh, you, you come back and you play another exotic single here with all stand taller and you can really spread around in some of those other races. So that is Del Mar for Saturday, August the 14th. Best of luck over at Del Mar. As we get set to head to Arlington, sad, uh, mixed emotions, right? You got some big races coming up at Arlington, one of the best turf horses in the U.S. that will be running this weekend, but likely the very last time they'll be there for the Arlington Million, which is not even the Arlington Million. Some of the names of these races are, are changed now, but still worth uh, giving a look this weekend and, and putting a few bucks through the windows over at Arlington Park. Let's head to race number six at Arlington on Saturday. Get your past performances out. There are other stakes races on the card. We're going to focus on the four races uh, at six, seven, eight, and nine. I think Oyster Box is going to be pretty tough from the inside. Um, didn't have the smoothest of trips and now should be able to save all the ground from there. She's a mystery, though, is the one who I actually prefer. She's got a couple of winning turf sibs. The dam was a four-time winner on the turf. It stakes placed, uh, stakes winner in graded stakes placed, and there's not a lot of other speed in here. She's a mystery. Should be sent really hard. I'll play the six over the one oyster box. I'll use those two and some of your rolling exotics. In the Beverly D, Mean Mary's the one to run down. Santa Barbara's the one who I feel most likely to run her down. I can't really get too cute. I can't really get outside the box. I'd prefer Santa Barbara here. In the eighth race, the Bruce D. Not the strongest race in the world for a grade one, formerly known as the Secretariat, right? Tango, Tango, Tango is going to be tough off the local prep. You got Point Me By, 
Wooden Shock. Um, I like Ginsburned. Debuted back in February. Was behind Cellist, who's a stakes winner in grade one placed. Didn't race between February and July. Then on July the 25th, showed back up at Ellis Park in a maiden special. Settled about six lengths off early. Seventh in the eighth, seventh or eighth spot. Back and forth. And towards the rear. And moved inside. Was right up on the heels of arrival. Ends up having to take up. So it was seventh, settled inside. Traveling really well. Angles outside with some big late energy. I thought it was visually very impressive. From Ginsburned, the number four there in uh, race number eight. And we move to the Mr. D, formerly the Arlington Million. Another race where I can't really get too cute for you, unfortunately. It just feels like domestic spending is in excellent form right now. He's six for seven overall. Um, his lone loss was a race where he finished third. He's never run a bad race. And now Pratt has been aboard for his last few and really has figured him out. I just, I can't see how they beat domestic spending in here on a, a sad day over at Arlington Park, what could be the, uh, the final real big, big stakes day for a, uh, a storied racetrack that has been, uh, you know, the home of some major racing stars and some huge, huge races. So take a look at Arlington Park this weekend and maybe put a few bucks on a couple of these big races or some of the earlier races. As I said, it's a really good card all the way through. I wanted to make sure we at least hit on those graded stakes a little. Before we get into wrestling with Chad Cooper, we want to talk a little bit about our friend Cindy Carava. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com is the website. She is a full-service realtor, and that means she can help you out really in anything you need in real estate. Buying, selling, leasing. If you need help being connected with vendors, landscapers, gardeners, painters that can help improve your home, she can do that for you. Maybe you need help with the home loan getting pre-approved. She'll help connect you with the right lenders. That'll tell you everything you need to do. She can do a free market analysis of your home's value so you can see where you stack up, answer any questions that you have. CindyCarava.com. She will make your life so much easier when you're in the process of moving Relocating, home improvement All that stuff is a lot of stress This is what she does every single day And she is so kind and genuine Honest, a great person to work with CindyCarava.com Now it's time for This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper First up we get through all of the news And uh, some of the things buzzing in the world of wrestling Then we jump into recaps for Smackdown Raw NXT, and then AEW Dynamite, this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. This week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, it just seems like every single day, every week, more and more news in the world of wrestling. Some of it good, some of it unfortunately uh, not very good. 
But uh, Chad joins me as he does each and every week. We'll get into some of the news, and then we'll get to the uh, the weekly TV show recaps. And this week, there's actually going to be uh, another show debuting on TV for AEW. So if you put those two with the two YouTube shows, that's a lot of content. But this this feels like it'll be more big league along the lines with AEW Dynamite Rampage debuts on Friday. We'll talk a little bit about that in the AEW section. But before we do, Chad. Uh, another really unfortunate week where we had a lot of NXT releases, and these were, you know, a few releases that you might have looked at and thought, okay, you know, we probably don't see these people uh, on TV all that much, but there were a couple that were kind of young prospects that they seemed very high on, a couple veterans, and, um, you know, Bronson Reed, who was recently the NXT champion, and he was just in a main event on TV with Cole. We had been singing his praises over the last couple months, how it seemed like he was really finding his footing on the mic. He was working w, uh, like main roster um, house uh, like house show and I think in some of like the main event shows, so uh, dark matches here and there. This, this is a little bit of a bummer. I never like seeing people lose their jobs. He was pretty salty about it, I think. Um, yeah, he has been. He's been very vocal. <laughs> I think on Twitter. Uh, during they didn't the see it coming. How could you? How could yeah, you have I, saw it coming if you were him? No, you don't. And I, I, I'm kind of, I, I don't know. You, you hear one thing or you, or, or you think you got a good grasp on one thing. This, the, I know the easy, the easy reason for especially the hot internet take is or social media take is oh WWE selling soon which they may I have no idea I, this doesn't I, I don't know I, I, I've been with knock on wood I've been with one company for 19 years uh, I've been fortunate enough to have a, not have another company come in uh, usually companies like to cut from the top when they come in and cut mm-hmm. from the bottom I, I don't know if WWE is selling I don't know if if they're rebranding that's the rumor we keep hearing there's going to be new logos it was good to see that their number their 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 television rating had come back up to what it's normally been it was a little bit higher from sci-fi network to usa i think it was back in the 700s um you know it was a pretty good show but then you you look at the lineup and like you said there was a couple of young people if you're rebranding and get rid of all the young, there were some young people on that roster that they got rid of. And, man, it was during SmackDown. Is that correct? It was it was during – that, that was what was uh, really the timing of this. And we, we were discussing it in uh, our uh, uh, wrestling group chat that we have with some of our other buddies. And it was – you know, it, it sounds weird because it's like, yeah, you know, who knows how this stuff comes out and exactly. But it literally seemed like a lot of these people were getting told just – Either during Smackdown or hours before Like right before And so you know the way your your week is set up For WWE and I'm sure right Friday Probably the end of the week they want to do it before the weekend and stuff Probably better to do it after heading into the weekend Or <laughs> Wednesday or even Thursday Because it was literally We're finding out more of these people While Smackdown has started Imagine sitting in that crowd watching the show, and you're checking alerts on your phone because those Stay on those your are the, phone. we all do whatever. And those are the at. people that have you know are huge wrestling fans. They follow a lot of wrestling sites. Probably listen to some people listening to this podcast. You know, and and so it's yeah, that's where it's it's just it's timing. And we the biggest thing is is um we know with a company like this, which I will give Tony Khan and AEW a lot of credit for so far. They 
Tony Khan addresses a lot of things. Yeah, right. Even last week with the Max Caster stuff, like he'll talk about it himself. He'll tweet about it. If there's an issue that somebody's talking about on the Observer or Wade Keller or like wrestling sites, or there's a rumor going around that is like a negative rumor or something, he will tell the reasons why, or he'll do his best of a job to like be open or, or pretty honest about it. From what we've seen so far, it's only been a couple years, so he hasn't had. Too many big things to deal with But that's what he does do Like the problem with the situation like this For for as far as NXT is concerned We don't know what the hell's going on No Like we worse. we don't know who's making these decisions We don't know what Triple H is thinking You know and what's going to happen With the performance center They talked there were rumors about Getting rid of the small guys You know people laughed and quoted about No more midgets Quote, and stuff midgets. like that You know um that's so, not good. Yeah, if, like, if that is true, now, I mean, who, th- there's probably truth in it somewhere. In you some just, of this you, stuff, and you never know. You never yeah. know. And some of it's put out there to make company A look just so horrible and so bad. But absolutely, you know, the thing you read is this: this Triple H and HBK. This could be furthest from the truth. We don't know. So we're going with what we quote unquote read from. Somewhat of a reputable site Who puts their name out there to be reputable That they didn't You know HBK and Triple H Had no say so in this And uh, that's really Concerning because to me The plug can be pulled at Any moment now on any one of these Guys and girls and that's the scary part That, that is Black the real scary part Just told the story of um, You know how he got released and he was just working out. He got called by John Laronitis, and he was like, "Why?" He, he called back, and Laronitis said, "Like, had no idea why." He was just like, "I got your name on a piece of paper. I don't know yeah, what is going and on." Was, and and who knows? Like, right, right, with some of those. Well, like, and who was the other superstar that was? Uh, you know, one of them was at the performance center working mm-hmm. out, and mm-hmm. were vocal about it. I, I don't know the mentality. It's definitely a a shark world, uh, From, business wise. You know. But you know, when you a have lot of corporations company. are like this, right? Yes they, they, yes, they are, and this, and that's what's unfortunate is that WWE. We've kind of all thought for a while, like it's Vince and his and Stephanie there, and it's and Triple H now, and, and Shane's in the and it's not that we we've seen Vince be ruthless with people on on camera and off camera and everything, right? Back from before to the way he created the WWF in general <laughs> to the stuff with all the way up to Bret Hart and then, you know, millions of things here and there along the way. But it, we I don't know you, you always kind of got the the vibe that a lot of the people there backstage it, it they like wrestling kind of felt like a family. You know, there's like a it's like a weird it's a, a niche sort of thing. They're long hours. They are on the road. It seemed like a lot of the people sort of like each other backstage, right? Whether or not you always agree with what they do, it felt like for the most part. And right now, the morale back there, especially in NXT, um, and then people wondering, like, now someone like Nick Khan comes in. Is he making the cuts? Now, if you heard Khan and you're confused, Nick Khan is now one of the head honchos at WWE over the last couple years or so. I think he's like the chief financial officer, I believe. Or yeah, you know, don't so- rabbit hole it. He's he's no relation to Tony Khan. He's no, not- no, nothing. That's why despicable. I was pointing that out. Yeah, a, so. yeah, this is not no, a, a it's, Marvel series. No, nothing, happening. nothing at all. But um, he. He is someone who's come in and he's made a lot of changes and you know WWE is a publicly traded company so they do a lot of things for the bottom line what looks best with their books for their stock 
for, for their partners. So, yeah, it's it's it it does. We it just is, was weird because we don't know, and the the perception of this isn't great because we all are fans of of these people, bigger or smaller fans of some of them, and we don't like seeing people that we like and we've you know been entertained by and we think our big our stars to be released and we don't really understand why and a lot of them don't understand why that's what seems to be pretty head scratching like if if they knew or they had been told okay yeah your contract's running up coming soon you know what we don't think we're ready to uh you know re-up with you that happens at companies all the time it just doesn't seem like they're handling things the best even way back to like the the stuff you saw with mickey james right yeah. Sure. The way they send her a bag home and then Triple H gets mad and then somebody gets fired and then another person that they hired goes on a podcast and starts talking about how she doesn't even know who Bobby Lashley is or something, right? You know, and it's like <laughs> so there were there it seems like there are a lot of the people, the checks and balances over there, or I'm not sure. It just it's a bummer because these are the kind of things that you actually expect WWE as a big camp company to handle well and to have very good PR. You know, and the production stuff and um, behind the scenes stuff. And this is things they do all the time. They have millions of employees. You have to be better about this kind of thing. And, you know, we've always heard, which is something that I've um, experienced a lot in horse racing because it's sort of niche. There's not a lot of companies um, that are like, you know, TV networks are covering the races in like a really, really big capacity, especially a few years ago. And so a lot of the time, people in places will want to make you feel like you owe them. For sure. working there, oh, you know, yeah. and I've, I've always heard that about WWE is that when the people come in, they try to make it feel very much like, hey, you know, you're part of the WWE, which hell, I would be that way. I'd go in there for the first couple of years and do everything I asked, and I'd be so excited to be, you know, yeah. working for them. But then yeah, it, it, I'd, I'd like a wine snob, I'd be, I'd be a, a WWE snob, you know, you but know, then it, it wears off though, right? You do it, it, it for does. a year, for a two, for three, and then it like you start looking around and you start going, Damn, I don't like that stinks or what happened here, and, and so it's just a, it's a it's a real bummer because, um, you know it's not a great time for WWE and NXT in particular to to have this like real negative publicity because you look across and whether you are the biggest AEW fan or you're not, they are very buzzworthy and with people that talk about wrestling and you know. Cover wrestling and break wrestling news and stuff. They all are very um, warm to AEW right now because they haven't felt scorned a lot by AEW, which they probably have by WWE. So there's just a lot of good AEW mojo out there for the most part. So WWE just got to be careful because I know I don't think that this is like uh, oh they're gonna lose this battle or they're going out of business or anything. But you just you don't want to keep. Assuming that all of your fans Are just always going to be there We've seen how they've kind of eroded Over the last decade year by year you know You know it's uh, That's the thing that concerns me you, You've got to not concerning Because I have no stake in either company But as yeah, a I mean, it, fan You know AEW has all the buzz And they're pretty consistent over a million You know you stay under a million You're like ah you can look at them as this And maybe Vince does not look at them As competition which could be perfectly uh, the truth of there and perfectly fine through his eyes. But a lot of other executives are, and mm-hmm. a- unless we've been swerved, they're, they're going to make a couple of big additions who are 
whether they're on the downside of their career or not, but they're about to sign and announce two two massive names that help. And maybe even more along the way. Yeah. Like Punk and Daniel you know, Bryan, maybe someone like a Bray Wyatt, who knows? He, Although we'll get to him in a minute because he had a weird tweet the other day that kind of made me think. Um, yeah, there's some weird things there, but and, and you say people fans say, well, they can't sign everybody. They can. They can. Now they may not use everyone, but and it may be hard. And in a year, people might start getting upset because now who knows when, like a Moxley or you know guys like that start getting kind of shoved down the card a little bit. Are they going right. to be as happy? Like when the same thing starts happening to them here that happened in WWE, and that that's will gonna, come, and, and that I will come. Some, yeah, and um, I think there's some instances already. NXT, the thing, you know, the releases on Friday, you have, you go back and look and, okay, NXT was a network pride and joy, right? That was one of the main reasons why to get the network. This was before was. we could get on the network and watch the pay-per-views. Um, when they started saying, okay, pay-per-views here uh, on the network. And then when they said, okay, we're, we're adding this. Uh, we're adding this to cable television. You, I asked myself, how long would this brand not last, but in its current uh, formula, would it be before there would be massive changes? And I'm not saying this is the massive changes now, but if the rumors are true, and if we've, we've been swerved, we fell for a few things here and there over the last couple of years, it happens. But if the rumors are true, and you get a rebranded logo and a new style and the new show, it's going to be an extension of, you know, if I'm saying it the right, it's going to be an extension of WWE and it's not going to be a kind of a third brand to, different. Third brand. It's not. It's just going to be a sick. What we have one, two, three, four, five. It's going to be our seven and eight of WWE. And uh, that's when it Really starts getting really interesting I thought they had a great show Tuesday night It, did, it was I, good, I it was really the, good the, that's, the the, that's the problem great. We, We've had great matches uh, We've had some new people uh, we, we saw some new people get in the ring Is uh, You know SummerSlam, or excuse me The takeover of the night over SummerSlam Is that when we see The pendulum, pendulum swing Completely back and we get a re Reboot of NXT and that's What a lot of people are saying mm -hmm. and, that, and that could be and maybe you get Adam Cole Coming up because that was the rumor too Adam Cole had a big meeting on Friday night At, um, at Smackdown With Vince apparently And uh, they're going to try to offer him big Money the reports are They've even had, had writers um, And other wrestlers Trying to come up with ideas for him Strong storylines So and you know what? At the very least, it seems like he's someone they want to keep because we didn't hear this kind of thing about a lot of others. No, and and that's good because if you, he literally is. I I honestly think he is somebody that can main event WrestleMania, even being smaller. Even he can come in and immediately talk you into believing that this guy is a star, and you he can have a nice trajectory. He's young. What he's 32 He's not one of these guys that's 40 You can bring him in You can have him immediately Like a big star or you could do the You know give him the IC title Work with that for a little while Build him up have him win And, and look good in the ring and then move up um, 
But this guy can do it as a face, as a heel. He's excellent in the ring. He's got it. That it that you look for, he has it. And now, I think they know. I think they want. I think they do too. Because remember, when he got brought, we talked about this too last week. When he was up on the main roster, he was not treated like a joke. When in in Survivor Series, when he came up, when they needed NXT, you remember when the plane got stuck in Saudi Arabia, yes. and they needed NXT to help with SmackDown. Adam Cole. I believe he had clean victories over Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins, I think, um, in in a stretch when he was up, and the they made him seem like he was a big deal, and then all the matches too, those they were excellent, and they're always going to be good with him. He's got like he he is he reminds me a lot of of CM Punk and of Seth in that like Seth has figured out a really good way to work. About as good as a match that you can in WWE For the WWE style, right? Because WWE is not quite an indie style They don't really want you to go They don't don't really let everybody go Complete like balls to the wall all the time (laughs) And do everything, right? They're a little safer about some of the things they do But Seth has done a really good job Of sort of perfecting that style About as well as anybody could Like he goes out there if you're a star rating guy And like at every big pay-per-view He gives you like a four-star match with like a different opponent and they're really really solid And then you got like someone like Punk Was able to do a really good job of figure out How to kind of still feel edgy Toe the line Like P- Cole feels like he could be absolutely Someone who could sort of wrestle Like Rollins does and he's shown that he could And and be more like Punk on the mic Still feel a little edgy um, I, He In a time where You know there have been a lot of um, Like the the programming in WWE on Fridays and when and uh, Tuesdays is still pretty good, but the overall vibe hasn't been great, and I think a lot of it is just because of these releases. Really, like a lot of people are have been let go over the last couple months. A lot of people that were um, like on our TV for a while, what whatever level. So, you know, that is something that it has um, I think soured some people also. And maybe with someone like Cole coming up and and someone like Big E with the briefcase, you know, like that that kind of can inject a little bit of life to into uh, into WWE maybe for the second half of the year. And we finally got a tease with the briefcase, right? Mm-hmm. With, I love that. I love that. Know, I, I, the million dollar question has to me is for me, and we mention it week in and week out is just the disconnect. From programming on Friday nights to Monday nights, from Fox to USA Network. I I mean, there's some times where SmackDown isn't as good. Heck, hey, I was a huge Office fan. I was a huge Seinfeld fan. Gino, you're you're fans of a lot of shows. There are a lot of episodes. There are a lot of seasons. That aren't that are, really as eh, good as they the got to set things up, or they're the the one between the next one. Everything can't be a hundred percent. Like we just said, you know, everything can't be a hundred percent all the time. Boom, 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 boom. But, but Raw has been consistently just bad. bad, bad. For now, I will while. say, I actually enjoyed this week's Raw more because Randy came back and it felt a little fresh. You yes. had. And yes. and and the one thing, and we'll get into we'll get into uh, WWE now. We'll we'll get to SmackDown and Raw. The one thing that they do a good job of when they do it well, and this is something that was an Attitude Era thing. And I think about like I think about you know a lot of Austin or The Rock um, in that era is having a storyline throughout the show. 
right? Something that there's either a match at the beginning that will lead to a match at the end. There's something that happened that we're following along through the show. So we got Orton. We were kind of following Orton and Riddle a little bit throughout the show. And then we get the good, really good match at the end. And then the Orton, not heel turn, but just the, uh, like the, hey, man, just get off my back a little bit. Randy, you know, like they when they do a a story that keeps people Tuned in throughout the night A reason to watch throughout the night That's when they tell uh, Good stories and they've done that on Smackdown for a while with Roman now And I thought Monday was a little bit better uh, Overall because of of uh, Just feeling a little fresher with Randy um, Let's get into Smackdown And then we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that in, uh, in, in Raw um, Sasha Banks comes out And she feels like a star when uh, when she's out there, she talks about how uh, Bianca would be nothing without her, and that she was the one that helped p- put Bianca on the map. Uh, and then Bianca comes out. Um, she was interrupted by Zelina Vega, and Zelina Vega said that she was supposed to get a match with Bianca that she never did. So Bianca uh, says, "You know what? I'll face you tonight, and then I'll face you, Sasha, at SummerSlam." So that match is confirmed for SummerSlam. And what I what I kind of liked about um, what happened in the it, you know Zelina Vega hasn't won matches recently she she probably shouldn't be getting a title shot so what happens later in the show they uh the uh, was it Deville and uh Pierce t- say hey you know what like you can't get a title shot we didn't really promote it we didn't build it up quite yet blah, blah, blah. so they made it it sort of like made sense a little those are like little things sometimes that are like oh, okay she doesn't you know she hasn't had a good winning record recently it wouldn't really make sense either for her to just randomly get a title shot the match was really solid i mean it was it was really good the pace really picked up towards the end of the match and that's all you have to do especially me as a fan just just tell me a couple of things i know i can figure it out but instead of just throwing it out there or just throwing it on the wall and see what sticks you know, and say what you want to and cry about Zelina. Oh, she's not winning. She's on TV now every week, and she's done a pretty good job at it. Mm-hmm. The match was fantastic. I think they got 10 minutes. I mean, what more could you ask, really? This is a good We've role got- for Zelina. This is. Yeah, if, it, if, it, they don't it, want, if they don't want to have her as a manager anymore, and if she doesn't want to be that, and she wants to be in the ring, because she's good. Like you said, she's fine in the ring. And this is a great role for her as a heel who whines and complains all the time is a little delusional, you know, um, but, but can, can go in the ring and is very, as a good performer, like she's excellent on the mic and she always can kind of like, kind of try to weasel her way into things, which I like. So yeah, this is a good, this is a good spot for her. And this was, this is a fine match for Bianca to, to win, look good, kind of continue her build along the way for her match with, with Bailey. So um, or with the uh, with the Sasha, that's gonna be and that's gonna be a, a, a really good match again. I expect it yeah. to be. Yeah, and we've got two Friday, two more episodes of SmackDown to keep them out of a tag team, right? You know, uh, it, it concerns me they do that. Uh, this is, you know, we we talked about Edge and uh, Rollins has done an amazing job of of not doing that, and we didn't think they they were going to be involved in any type of match at all. Let's steer clear of this. You know, I, I'm not just saying it, but it seems like they've done the women on the roster who are in storylines and feuds. They do that more often. We've seen it with Charlotte being a tag match multiple times. Um, let's just we've got two more Fridays before uh, SummerSlam. Let, let's let's keep Sasha and Bianca out of the ring with each other in a match. So uh, we 
Uh, we got a look at uh, just continuing on the feud with the Mysterios Usos. Jay Uso picks up a win here. Um, this will be a really good match. They're they're set up for SummerSlam. So like the SummerSlam card is going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's yeah. really good. It's really you know, good. At some point, you think Dominic's got to win. Um, we still have two more Fridays. I, I don't want to see a non-title or anything involved, but the matches have been solid. And Dominic, man, I mean, it was uh, – you, you often were concerned, oh, it's Ray's kid. He's coming up because this or that, name only wise. I, man, he's been getting better and better each week. We uh, got to look. Uh, the, the Edge Rollins stuff. Really good. Uh, Rollins backstage a little earlier, and then um, out in the ring, Edge comes out, and um, he he talks about how Edge uh, he, he talks about how Rollins is basically copying him. Edge He's like, <laughs> this was great. He's yeah. like, it's like looking in a mirror. He says everything I'm uh, you did, I did first, and then Rollins gets mad. You know, he comes on the screen laughing. He says. Um, you know, the uh, first time one on one at SummerSlam, Rollins says, you know, Rollins starts freaking out. He says he's got him wrapped around his finger. And this was just really, really good stuff. I mean, I'm I'm pumped for this. Um, Rollins gets pissed at the end. You know, he's like freaking out. I'm not edge light. I'm not edge light. You know, and I am. Um, I think this could be one of those. Like, think about the three matches. Right now that we just discussed for SmackDown, the the tag match will be really good. That's like a good either kickoff or opener or like early in the card match tag match that we know the Usos and Mysterios are going to be good. The women's match is going to be excellent again with Bianca and with Sasha, and and we got Edge and and Seth. This is going to be really good. This and these are just coming from SmackDown. I, I think it's the main event. It's the true main event. At Me Summer too. Uh, I agree. This is what I want to see most. Yeah, well, when we heard the rumors earlier this year that Cena was probably coming back and, and going to face Roman Reigns, and they said Seth Edge, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's cool. You know, we give WWE hell a lot, but this has been this has been really good, and these these promos and segments have been just absolutely fantastic build for this Summer Slam match, and I hope these guys get thirty or forty minutes. I really do because I could probably watch it for thirty or forty minutes. It's it's really gonna be good. And our uh, our guy uh, Nakamura gets a win by DQ, so they're probably heading in that direction too. We might be getting a, a Nakamura. Cesaro's kind of been in the mix with them too. I wouldn't be shocked if it was some some sort of a triple threat there. Um, but yeah, like. I like the fact that we got to, we got him away from Corbin finally. Yes, yeah, with him is fine. Like these guys in the ring would be good, so we'll probably get some combination here. Yeah, as long as we get some good matches, you know this. What uh, this was a quick two minute gimmick DQ. I don't think it did anything for ev- anyone except get them out there. Why not uh, just have Nakamura win a number one contenders match? That's, that's all I asked for. Have that's him beat I- somebody. Cesaro, if you want it to be, or Chad Gable, anybody in anybody. in in five minutes, eight minutes, and have it be a number one content. Do one of those gauntlets that you wanted to do. I don't like, and we're gonna get to AEW in a second because uh, I don't know what the hell they're doing with uh, with uh, their title picture, but <laughs> I, I don't like when 
You have we we hate Raw for the repeated the rematches over and over and over. Why do we want to see somebody in a number one contenders match beat the champion and then have to do it again? It's like they're in that match against the champion. They should beat the champion if they beat that. It doesn't. I don't like it. I hate the champs losing. I know you and I talk about this all the time. I don't even like it. I'm okay with it in a tag match that's setting something up. Like, and that's the only time. Only time in certain spots I don't even like it a lot of times in that spot But if it's like okay There's a tag match here and like Adam and and Paige is going to pin Omega In that tag then I'm cool with it Right because that's setting up like a Really cool big moment down the line like that's a Big deal I don't I don't Like this I don't like uh, It didn't look Shinsuke's got a ton of pop right Now with books and the crowd And you just kind of stick them out there Poor Apollo was doing some of the best work You know we finally got him A character Uh, we put A title on him and now it's just Like uh, It's like jumbled so Hopefully we get past that Um And we get a good match out of it Or or maybe a triple threat something at SummerSlam kickoff show a pre-show match, I'm fine with it there, but just enough with these champions losing or, or, or quick DQs or, or interferences, uh, you know, by their adversaries, it just it, it's it's too predictable. I'm not sure what they're going to do with the women's tag. Tegan Knox picks up a win over. Uh, and she's, um, what she's got a first name now. She's yeah, Tegan. Tegan. They've got the and what's cool is like they come out on the uh, on the tank. You know, they've been working on the tank for a while And so, like, they've got a presentation It feels like they're they're sort of into uh, th- this tag team and this pairing And with no Natalia around You've got to figure that it's probably a good time To get these belts off of them And uh, and to put them on, uh, you know, uh, uh, these two um, With Tegan picking up the win here So Tegan and Shotzi celebrate after We, you know, Finn Balor didn't love the way things were handled last week, but I will say, you come out, you address it, and he's—I love what he had said. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, Finn Balor would have just been smiling and would have just let this all go. Well, you know what? I'm not smiling about it anymore. And that was always a uh, remember an inside kind of—I um, don't want to say joke, but that was something that people had said that Vince says to him a lot. And that Vince says to a lot of the baby faces You gotta smile pal Smile, smile, smile It's like you shouldn't always have to smile Like I get that I'm on camera even doing a two minute video uh, A lot of times I remind myself to smile Because you you just You want to look like you're sort of enjoying what you're doing And not hating it But <laughs> when you're fighting somebody it's You don't have to always be like Grinning While you're talking It just, you know This version of Finn I like well, you it, called it, this spot last week. You said Finn had to come out on SmackDown and address this, get pissed off, and just destroy Corbin. And he did that. What yep. made me, what I felt a little concerned with is, uh, I, I'm, I'm jumping to the main event. Um, no, it, it just felt like when Roman came out, we got the Cena chance. And I just felt bad for Balor. I didn't think that pop was there with Balor and Roman. Um, and I kind of felt bad. It's not Finn's fu- uh, fault. I just kind of felt there was something that didn't click there when Roman came out and said, hey, hey, look, pal. And then it kind of picked back up when the Usos jumped Balor. 
like, okay, it kind of feels, but man, it just seems mm-hmm. like everyone was there to see John Cena. And what's weird is this is like the third show in the last couple of weeks where John Cena's been there and they've had him wrestle in a dark match. That's weird, isn't it's it? It's like you of got Cena there. <laughs> you got him there. You don't think five minutes just coming out in the middle of the here or like anywhere, five like a promo, anything it would help. I, it's so it's bizarre. You, the guy's got such a crazy schedule. You figure he's not going to be around probably all that much after SummerSlam. Um, I think he's promote or he's uh, uh there's probably the New York show is one of them I saw that he'll probably be at, but not probably probably not you know the second half of the year. And why not use him a little more? I agree with you. I love Finn. I love what they're doing with Finn. I like this version of Finn. Um, I just hope it's a it's the only thing that stinks is that he is he's in a spot where the people are excited to see Cena versus Roman. Right. So um, I'm glad that they're not doing like they're they're not giving him the match right now. Yeah, because yeah, because we wanted that. We and look, you talk about an unsung hero. Give Corbin. The 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 work of the year. This guy has just been. Absolutely and I got a little on him last week. I didn't love what they were doing, and not him. I didn't like. Well, sure. But man, this week again, it was great. The he can't videos and stuff. <laughs> oh, the TikTok. He thought he was getting paid to do this TikTok, and then they tell him that he can't. And this, he he's enjoying this. You could tell now too. He's yeah. liking this. This is something different for for a guy who. For what five years was just like I'm the big evil heel, and and he liked playing that. But this this is a little nuance here. So <laughs> think about There's this more Smack- stains on the shirt. <laughs> think about this SmackDown show. We came out. We came out like off of. We love like the Sasha Bianca stuff okay. is going to be good, and like I feel I feel better the last couple weeks about Bianca now just with Sasha in the mix. It makes it feel a lot more. Important you know like having A a good big contender For Bianca feels like a big like Big deal Um, she wasn't Like Rhea in that like she was lost I didn't like she just felt Kind of like kind of like like Out of sight out of mind a little bit like she wasn't Doing much Um, Good women stuff we We had a tag match that probably Could have went longer but at least we saw The street profits back and get some pop they're they're on the way up like that's good for them to build and even the things that weren't like okay the Tegan Knox winning that's nothing special but it's not offensive to me in any way there was nothing bad about it we got um you know uh the Mysterios and Usos like yeah we've probably seen a little too much between these two teams and hopefully you know we'll get a great match from them at SummerSlam and then maybe the Street Profits or someone else is next right then cool so there was just nothing I like what they're doing with Finn we like what they're doing with Roman um there wasn't anything that I get up really upset about or go or went, oh, that was really bad or no, that was really awful. No, was I just wish maybe like having a, a Cena uh, pop up for a little bit would have helped. But <laughs> hey, uh, you know what? That's fine. I believe I read that in one of the uh, mat- matches this week, he was in a dark match with it was the weirdest pairing. It was him. And somebody against uh, Veer was against him, and it was just like, "What the hell?" Like, can you imagine this? Uh, yeah, uh, your your curtain jerking tonight, buddy. Yeah, doors yeah. are at six. You're on at six ten. Get the crowd <laughs> pumped up, pal. You know. <laughs> we move over to Monday Night Raw, and Randy Orton, big pop. He he's been gone for yeah. almost two months, and we've been asking why. We still don't really know why. 
in in real life or behind the scenes. <laughs> you know, I mean, in real life or like on camera, we're not sure. They didn't really give us a reason why. Maybe they will afterwards. But um, Orton's out, and then here comes Riddle. He uh, wants to see his buddy Randy, who he hasn't been able to see for a few weeks. He wants them to team together uh, together again. And uh, there, uh, Randy's you know says he works better by himself. And he says, you know, I'm watching. You've been doing fine. You don't need my help. Um, AJ and Omos in, come out and interrupt, and we uh, we end up getting uh, a match set up for later in the night where it's going to be AJ versus Orton. So they set up a big match. We have a fun opening segment that just it was just different, right? It was fresh. It wasn't the same sort of characters coming out at the very beginning, um, starting things off. Um, and then and there's like. There's a story here. This is a story that they've been building for a long time with Orton and with uh, and with Riddle. And so it, you know, we knew that Orton was not going to be his best buddy forever, but they'll, I'm sure, have to team together. Maybe they win the tag titles or you know split up and then have a match afterwards. But there's still a lot of meat left on the bone, I think, in the story to tell with these two. Yeah, and it made it it definitely. Uh, boosted Riddle back up again. Not that he was down, but he, he kind of was getting goofy a little bit again and kind of like uh, getting on our nerves. And it's like, but man, when Randy Orton is in the same screen, same ring, same room, it does it. And, and Riddle starts going, Randy. I mean, it's just I laugh every time, man. <laughs> it's just something, right? And, and we got them throughout. You, you mentioned it while ago. We got that throughout the show. We've got a couple of segments with them. And then you got a pretty good main event, uh, AJ Styles and Orton for Raw for main event to go nearly 12 minutes and to finish like it did, like as you mentioned, and we got an RKO out of nowhere. It was a really good positive spot. It was a good start for Raw, and it was a good ending for Raw. There was just some couple of things in there that were like, eh, I could have I, I done without. But, yeah, even- but the, the, the Corbin stuff on SmackDown, on Raw, Dude, when he mentioned he'd been sleeping in the production truck, and it's just like, I'm sorry. This is love, pure in ring wrestling, all you want to. This is fantastic. And he, and then you know, Drew's Drew is just crushing him, and then as he's about to beat him, he says, "You know what? How much money do you need? You know, for a few days." Bed of food, a shower. Corbin says hundred thousand dollars, and Drew says what? That seems perfectly reasonable. He says about two hundred thousand or three hundred thousand, and then he says three, two, one, and then he gives him a big boot with the claymore. So yeah, this was fine. And Corbin, this was another where Corbin coming over. Like we haven't seen Corbin and Drew against each other a whole bunch of times recently. Right, so it was not like a rematch for a bunch of stuff that we've seen, and it was it was fine. Like I didn't have a problem with this. Um, yeah, Gino, we, I'm looking. Usually on Raw, we we have some squashes and some silliness. We had eight matches. Only two of them were three minutes. The rest were nine and ten minutes long. So I mean, you got to give Raw and WWE some credit. The 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 matches are starting to pick up. It's these little. Alexa Bliss, uh, this, this, uh, you know, I, I, this stuff. Would we go to a Karrion Cross Jeff Hardy match after the? the Yes, we got Cross Hardy. Why didn't this? This should have happened the first time they met. What the hell have they been doing? 
Like why wasn't this the first thing that we saw from Cross have him it doesn't have to be like a two second squash, but he wins after a few minutes here. He looks dominant doing so. And I mean and then why? attacks after the match. Why couldn't you give us this cross in the very beginning? Why do you Other have him another way if he's if they're mad at him, right, Gino? It doesn't make any sense what you just did because this is the this is an asset, a character that you have control over in this company. You do not want to like to to have less worth for your asset, and now he's just less important on TV. And we find out. You know Keith Lee who a lot of people Thought was getting buried You know we find out you and I this is a good moment To talk about this just recently uh, Like an hour before we record, we Started recording on Thursday afternoon Keith Lee posts a video talking About how he got COVID And had it really Really bad to the point where When he started getting back into shape he, He couldn't do anything Because he had heart inflammation and they had to go see a bunch of different specialists. He had a bunch. He had to, WWE had to send him different places to find. He couldn't do anything for a long period of time. And then at, it, they looked. He had to go take MRIs. This it was really scary. They thought he was going to die. He seemed like terrified talking about it. And then he he hasn't really been able to get back into shape since. It's, it's he's had a hard time doing so. So there were a lot of rumors out there about what's going on with Keith Lee. This or that. From his mouth right now we found out So it's like why If Keith Lee's not ready right now And we know that Why do you send him out there for two weeks <laughs> To have him win one match You have him lose one match Then you have him come out and you have him Win a match where you actually Gave him a little bit of build Remember they showed that that clip of him Beating Randy Orton last year And they started it was like Oh well, yeah why didn't you do this for Keith Lee The first time it just it doesn't make sense the way they've handled Keith or Karrion Cross, and for and like most importantly, um, I mean, God bless Keith Keith Lee, and like fingers crossed for him, and hope everything's going well because there were so many rumors about how they didn't like him backstage. We even talked about some of them, and or he was this or that, and and there were thoughts about him being out of shape. Well, we know why he's out of shape now. The guy had COVID and is, is like. They're sure. calling them like long haulers That's one of the things that's really scary about this stuff too Is you know some people get it Some people don't and it's not just You die or you don't We've seen athletes Jason Tatum for the Boston Celtics He got oh, yeah. it and, and the whole Second half of the season he wasn't the same He talked about how he had to get on an Inhaler that's a guy who is like tw- Low 20s And if you're talking about Like people that are in the best Physical shape in the world he's probably in the top Point 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 zero 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 one percent of people, and he was a young dude, and he got it, and has it's infected him. Someone like Keith Lee, you know, he's a big guy, but he's in great shape. Um, yeah, that's that's scary with him. And uh, if you I if you need to uh, check that out, Keith Lee posted it on his Twitter. You can hear everything he said about it. Yeah, we can we can judge, we can guess, we can hear industry rumors. Um, this is. Um, if you read charts and graphics and stay up with anything COVID related, it is, uh, you know, I, I was talking to a local physician uh, here in Texas the other day, and this Delta variant is uh, attacking men who have high blood pressure problems. And it may be, it may be not someone that has, that's on medication, but we're at a time and age where it's just like, 
no one really knows other than take precautions for yourself. But what threw me for a loop after you sent me this and I watched it, I went, Jesus, this is scary stuff. You said it. He works two matches with Karrion Cross. Why? Why? No, maybe he's. It's all cleared, and he's saying. Yeah, he said. He said he's. They, he's got the green light to wrestle. I'm sure they wouldn't send him back out there, but Especially he's obviously that, not in shape right now. Right, and, and then again, we had kind of the same with NXT. Ember Moon was supposed to have a match uh, Tuesday night earlier that day. They said she's been pulled. She tweets later. She's frustrated. This has been a crazy year. It's just there. There's no normalcy ever again. No. Anymore. No, right? they're just right. There is only the best for this guy, right? Because he he is well liked, a lot of fans, and he's a, he's a star. He could yes. absolutely be a star, you know. Um, so hopefully he's able to uh to get back into a shape that he feels good about and uh, get back in the ring safely, which we'd all love to see. Uh, we don't love to see Willie uh, Lily winking at Dewdrop. <laughs> um. <laughs> and you know, and it's like the Dewdrop and Eva Marie stuff I thought was good the first few weeks. It felt like they had something there, and now it's like they kind of dropped it because Dewdrop isn't. I don't. It's just Eva, Eva is not getting any heat. No, she got a ton of social media heat, and I don't know what didn't connect and what did disconnect because she she looks amazing with the eyes. She's not the best in the ring, but she got so much heat on social media. And that's not translating to the the live audience. I don't Nobody know cares. what's going on here. No, they they've got a pivot here with a roll up. Uh, man, I don't know. We're probably going to get a SummerSlam match out of this, aren't we? Yeah, I'm just afraid we're going to get an Alexa and and Lily tag team. I know against Please. Eva and, and Dewdrop. But it's such a bummer is, because they got so the dumb. somebody. I think on one of the podcasts I listened to too said something about uh they got the Chucky st- show coming up on USA. That's a good point. It's like, oh no, you know they're gonna do something with this with Chucky, with the uh, with Lily and stuff. It's like, oh yeah. No. I I said in the very beginning, if we get some lifelike dress up as as, as Lily, that's probably we have jumped the shark and come back over the shark. A couple <laughs> things to start raw that we didn't mind, but no, thank you here. Nah, no, this is, this is silly. This, no, thank you. Um. We got uh, Seamus Ricochet And hey, you know what If this is who Ricochet is right now Like we said Hey, if he's going to come out and give us a nice match And do just some phenomenal things in the ring Oh my god, a couple of the spots in this match From Ricochet were incredible And that's fine Like Seamus is going to win Because Seamus has a match coming up At SummerSlam that he needs to build with Damian Priest Where I I do think Damian Priest should go over there But this is this is fine for Ricochet to be uh, a staple on your TV shows that you can have be like the guy that some of the main eventers beat. I'd love to see Ricochet in matches all the time with AJ or uh, Randy or Riddle or guys that are just maybe a little bit higher slotted than him, but but they got to work hard to beat him and he looks good. That's a good. That's a fine spot for him. Uh, I, I, I can't argue with you. Uh, we've been wanting Ricochet just to be on our TV every week. And, uh, of course, I, we'd like for him to win. Absolutely. Constantly. I'd love a lot more. But this is better than him being on main event or anybody or it, else that's going to be getting. I'd rather have him on there for five to ten minutes. As long as he's not getting like a two-minute roll-up that looks silly. Or when he's actually able to showcase some of his moveset, I'm fine with it. 
100%. They got a 10-minute match here. Um, I, you, you can't argue against this other than he should have won. But Ricochet had a, had a good match with Sheamus, and it kind of le- – what, Damian Priest comes out, and it kind of leads into a, to a Morrison match. But, you know, that the, which was really uh, – here we go again. It wasn't very long. The, the positive I saw out of this was we got the Miz out of this wheelchair now. Right? Yeah. It looks like he's probably – He's probably good to go. Ready to go. Let's get this gimmick over with. Yeah, and let's get uh, let's get Priest. Let's get this title on Priest, and you know we can uh, we can have. I love when when these mid card titles are on a baby face because I really think a good gimmick for them to try yes. to get over is that open challenge. You know, yes. like he would be someone that would be great to to say, hey, you know what? Let's do this U.S. Open challenge, and you can have people kind of randomly up step up. Guy, guy, yeah. Into. You know, he's been that all the time. Yeah. Give me, a, give me, you know, uh, someone popping up there, Kushida, for uh, a match, you know, open, like accepting the challenge and then popping back down. Like different people like that. Um, let's get Damon, uh, Damian Priest with the win uh, at SummerSlam. And um, yeah, Miz being, being healthy is great. And uh, more Miz on the screen is fine. This is a good. I think we wore know, out the, the wheelchair and the, yeah, and the, and the, 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 the water gimmicky. <laughs> you know, it got a little. Just dousing Byron Saxton with it uh, all the time. Um, so, again, the problem, like, you want to have a feud with T-Bar and, and Mace and, and you know, Mustafa and Mansoor. That's fine. But we just got the same guy. You know, it's like, okay, now this is singles, T-Bar versus Mustafa. And the team of Mustafa and, and Mansoor are coming together, which I like that, the seeing them come together and stuff. But... They just don't have to be the same combinations of guys against each other every week. And it just it dilutes it. It, it makes mm-hmm. you, unfortunately, for those four guys, not really care much about it. Um, if if they want to build each one of these teams up, there's different ways to doing it. Use local talent. Um, use some enhancement talent. Bring somebody from this or that. Just again, three minutes here that that probably could have just been kept backstage. I, there, it really didn't do anything for me. If you're not going to give me longer and excite me over over something, then just don't stick it out there for a couple of minutes because it does no one any favors. No, um, Reginald doing his photo shoot in the back. <laughs> they try to sneak attack him, but uh, he um, breaks it up and. He or our tooth our truth breaks it up. He's dressed as a janitor. Reggie flips around, and man, he's he's <laughs> really impressive visually. Yeah. He just is he's an acrobat, you know. Um, <laughs> and it's fun. It's like this is what that title's supposed to be. Yes. As long as it's a couple minutes, and then you can keep kind of goofy stuff with this title. That's fine. Like this is this is good. Like I have no on a three hour show. If this is like five minutes of the show, I'm. I have no issues with this whatsoever. It's not, uh, it's not gonna win any Academy Awards, but it's fine. <laughs> it's not like it's not horrible. It's it's like Reginald is actually very entertaining. Yeah, in this yeah. spot, if they keep it like this, instead of interrupting matches, you know, where you like let's say T Bar and Mustafa are out there, and then you have the locker room chasing Reginald through the ring. That's just you know, do that at a house show. You know, if if you want to do that, but this is a perfect spot. I do want to see Reginald in the ring more. I really do. Me too. Yeah, and uh, I think we will get that. I, I can tell they're they're pretty high on him. Looks like they they're into to Reggie Reggie <laughs> as uh, we got uh, what women's championship 
the or the women's champ Nikki Ash versus Rhea Ripley here. Um, Nikki ends up winning by DQ because Charlotte breaks this thing up and went and comes in uh, out of nowhere to continue on their triple threat. So after seeing them kind of in a few different ways uh, throughout the the couple weeks, where do you think they're gonna go? SummerSlam. Uh, you think man. Nikki's still gonna be the champ? You think Charlotte wins it back? I don't. I don't. I'm I'm not in love with what they're doing. I I'm I'm still like I enjoy all of these performers. Um. And I think Nikki is doing a fine job With what she's being asked to do I think it's just a little bit backwards Like it still feels like she shouldn't be the champ And should kind of be chasing the title right. With the way she's presented um, But I, it'll, I'm sure it'll be a good match And this was I, I didn't have a, a problem with Nikki Rhea Here until the, you know, like Kind of predictable Kind of saw that Charlotte was going to come in at some point uh, I'll say this um, I was going to ask you, <laughs> which I was going to try to dodge that question because I really don't know. Um, I was going to ask you uh, who was going to win this uh, this title at SummerSlam. I'll yeah. say that Charlotte's got tons of heat, man. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the live crowd has eaten her up, and she she has uh, she, she's a better I think a better heel. She's always you know just that attitude on her shoulder. I don't think it's going to Rhea. So it either goes, uh, it either stays with Nikki or Charlotte. And if you're at SummerSlam and, uh, in, 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 you know, it, it's too early to start the road to WrestleMania because, you know, titles now can be won uh, on Raws and SmackDown. They seem like, uh, you know, it, it's not as special anymore to, uh, you don't have to be at a special pay-per-view or whatever. So I could see Charlotte winning it on a Raw or whatever, but, if they're gonna if they're gonna keep it on Nikki, uh, you know you got to look who who are the challengers uh, on Raw, and there's really not a whole lot right now. And if again, uh, I, I don't know. I, I am. I have no I idea, know, really. It, it's not Rhea because I, I Rhea's not winning. No, we and it just didn't work. And I think Charlotte is probably, unfortunately, the safe bet. And maybe you could bring back a name or two, but really, there's not a lot of uh, people on that roster right now that uh, that can go that that does anything. It would have to be a call-ups, new, fresh NXT, a brand change. As of right now, it, Becky NBA for me. Becky, it, Becky is the only one. But then she feels, you know, does she go to does she go to SmackDown because of Seth? But the natural selection is Becky. It's right. got to be right. Yeah. Got to be Becky for WrestleMania. So if you do that, then Charlotte's got to get that title back sooner or later. We get a a new version of Elias coming. Look, he at throws this. the guitar in the fire. WWE stood for Walk with Elias, but Elias is dead. He, I think you and I are both Elias fans, and so I'm I'm intrigued by this. I'm I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, I hate it because I the love was Elias. Good. The guitar gimmick was good. Good, but at the same time, um, if this is something we need to get Elias back on TV every week, then I'm for it because Jackson Riker just did absolutely nothing for me for Elias. Um, I hate it. I really do. I hate it because, mm-hmm. man, I, I've been I was fortunate enough to see some live shows with him and that guitar, and it's just phenomenal. So maybe you know we're we're gonna see a rebrand with Elias, and if that gets him on TV every Monday night, then I I, I guess we'll be forced to live with it. So in the main event, it was uh, AJ versus Randy. Randy told Riddle, "Do not come out. I don't want your help at ringside." Um, but 
of course, he does come out because uh, Omos was uh, interfering in the match. So Riddle comes out, and Randy ends up getting the win. So after the match, they're celebrating together. Uh, Randy gives him a big hug. And then RKO. <laughs> this was funny. And then he, like he kind of like patted him after doing the RKO. Like, sorry, son. You know, just kind of like I had to. And um, Riddle... Is kind of like smiling a little bit Like oh Like he, he wanted it It reminds me of uh, in the movie uh, The wrestling movie Ready to Rumble With uh, with David Arquette and uh, Scott Kahn And they're telling the king Crown me king Crown me Crown me They just want him to like jump off and hit him with a double axe handle Like begging it I feel the same way Like I, uh, I, I would always beg Like give me a stutter please Please like give it to me So uh, this was funny. I, I like this. I like the stuff with Orton and Riddle, and it just there are some bad stuff on Raw, and I think the worst things that we will see throughout WWE and probably throughout wrestling every week on Raw. Um, but this week actually felt like there were mainly. I mean, if you took the Randy Orton part out of the show, the show would have been a lot of similar kind of eh stuff. But this is uh yeah, this was fine, and I'm I'm now again. This is another match that. I'm kind of excited for for SummerSlam for these four. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be fun and int- like interesting. It'll be AJ in an, a lot of that match against Orton and Riddle, and then there will be some Omos spots. You'll have a little bit of a can they or, or will they or won't they work together with Orton and Riddle? Like it's good story, and it'll be a good match. So now you put this match with all those SmackDown matches that we're pretty pumped about. We didn't even mention Roman and Cena. I'm sure we'll probably get a Finn. On the show it's some in some way whether it be With Corbin or something else um, This looks like a really Good SummerSlam a couple weeks out I, I don't know if it was purposely um, But it's definitely One of the things That I don't think Many people are really invested in But do you care about Bobby Lashley And Gore? Oh, I was going to say I didn't even mention I will say I thought the promo stuff with him was pretty good in, in MVP it Like it was, it was good it was but I don't care About it you're right and, no. and, and that's that's bad with the kid, the gauge, you know, it's, it's not, just, uh, uh, we know Goldberg's not going to win. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, right. Do we, I mean, uh, not it, it's, it. it's sad when, and it's not sad, but the, the raw match for SummerSlam is Orton and Riddle versus AJ and Omos. As you said, that's the match on the red brand that, uh, as of right now, I, I'm concerned about what other ones are on SummerSlam. I mean, we're two it, weeks. Priest well, we, Sheamus will be okay. Sure. You know, that, that won't be bad, but I'm not We've like just seen it. pumped you know? about it. You know, um, the uh, the Bruce, women we just said we're not really excited that much for the women and and Lashley Goldberg we're not all that excited for that one. Gender, I think. Yeah, well. yeah, we'll probably get we, that too. Okay, and that's and the same thing. I feel the same way. Like there's not the mo- the matches I'm the most excited for are all. Three or four coming from SmackDown, and then this this Orton Randy, this Orton and uh, oh yeah, that, that that's good. So uh, let's get into NXT as Dakota Kai picks up a win to uh, to kick off the show, and Dakota beats Saray. So Our they get, yeah, and they make Dakota look strong here, continuing uh, along the way uh, for her to uh, to get her match against Raquel, and now this show, this NXT show, is also shaping up to be pretty strong. Oh, yeah. On paper, when you uh, when you see what uh, what you kind of expect there, so Dakota gets the win. Uh, Raquel 
um, rushes out, takes the mic. Um, so they continue to set it up, and then uh, we got looks throughout the evening at the date, the love her or lose her match <laughs> date. So Indy and Dexter are out uh, on a date tonight. First, uh, Dexter shows up. At uh, at their house, we see the the footage of them Indy getting ready. Johnny and Candace are telling her, you know what, you know what to expect. Um, Johnny says, uh, you know, Candace makes it a joke about protection to Indy. Um, and then Dexter shows up, and he's just the 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 image of him at the front door with the flowers was hilarious. Just standing there <laughs> holding them, and. All throughout the night, we keep checking in, and they're at restaurant. Uh, and Johnny is like spying, as Candace is spying on him, and then Johnny is he's the waiter. And these are campy things, and they're kind of similar to a lot of the they, they feel along the same lines as a lot of the um, the million dollar title stuff. They're funny and they're fun, and and you know what? I don't have a problem with this. It's not something that's um, in in the Title picture it's something that's kind of on the side I never have an issue with having some fun In wrestling and uh, and this is the kind of Like fun WWE stuff That I'm okay with or things that WWE does Pretty well sometimes they'll go too Far and get really corny but I've actually had a good time with this I, It's interesting that uh, Johnny and Candace kind of Reminded me of like uh, Overprotective parents right Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> when, yeah. And, and then they announce On social media that They're having a child um, Which is really cool. Congrats to them. Yeah. 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 So, I, look, I'm a Johnny G fan. Love Candace. I, Dexter Loomis. I think this has been perfect. Um, don't know uh, how much we see of Candace moving forward. I, I would think they would be okay in segments like this, but it's entertaining. And, it, and if, you know, are you starting to feel like there's a little bit more of this in NXT? Or is this something this just has it, No, it, you're, recently it has For sure, okay. right? Yeah, no, recently It has felt like that, absolutely So which I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly Fine with because the LA Knight Cameron Grimes stuff has been Great, and we're gonna mm-hmm. get Another match out of that too But I hope they don't, you gotta be careful, right? I, I think I think I know where you're going, you gotta be careful because That's one of the, that, it, that's been good And this has been good, but you have to have the right Performers, you don't want to start forcing these things On people that are just really good in the ring And take them away from things that they're That, that are their, their strengths But yeah, I, I I don't mind this, and um, <laughs> I, I don't like what they I thought uh, Dragunov look, Like he feels kind of like a star So he's got like, and he's he's excellent in the ring, and he actually speaks really well on the mic. But this seemed really bizarre to me to have him for the first time on NXT. You have him built. You're building up this match with him against Walter, who's like a really imposing champ of UX uh, NXT UK, and then you have him lose in the main event to Pete Dunne, who like I like Pete Dunne a lot, and I, I would I would be fine with Pete Dunne being in any role, but he hasn't been presented like. Like the guy recently It just I thought it was weird For for us to see him If you're trying to get us excited about that match And at, at TakeOver in a few weeks I, I think I read somewhere And it that and I thought this was perfect This felt like What NXT d- would do to a To an NXT UK competitor Feels like what Raw does to NXT <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, like Oh wait, Pete Dunne is gonna crush someone who's in the title picture over there. It doesn't matter, you know. Just, but and it wasn't that way. The match was good, but it was the match was. Uh, they had a confrontation. What for? The, you know, the, earlier in the night, the match was fantastic. Excellent. I, 
don't know the point of having him lose if Walter is going to come out and be there anyway, right? He comes out, the crowd goes nuts. Would you just have Walter just come in and just DQ that match? No. I, it just, Why does Pete Dunne need that win there? No, because Pete I don't Dunne get it. kind of lost. Last I saw, Pete Dunne was kind of like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It wrote, you know, I, I'm not, something, you know. Not a fan. Not a fan no. of that. Um, but we do get some more movement in this million-dollar championship. Um, L.A. Knight gets a squash win. And then after the match, Ted DiBiase comes out, and uh, he tells Grimes that he needs to get out of this. So... He makes a deal with LA Knight that LA Knight will put the title on the line against Grimes one more time. And if uh, if LA Knight wins, DiBiase is going to be his butler from now on. <laughs> so there's a new twist here. And this is good. This has been a lot of fun with these two. Um, you probably they probably have another week or two maybe of uh, of a vignette before. And uh, and then we'll get a good match. And I'd imagine I I mean, the like teasing Ted as his butler is kind of funny, but I don't think we're gonna get that. I think I think I we'll get, not. you know, I don't. I think this has been fun, but this is the kind of thing where we don't need it to go way longer, right? Than than needs to be, because then it might get a little too much. If you want to have DiBiase with Grimes, that's fine. And then if you want to do some like, if you want to continue on and have these two. Have some segments or you, you know You see that like LA Knight's trying to get His title back that that's cool too But I just don't we don't need the I think the Butler thing was funny and a little bit here but You don't need DiBiase as the butler there No and this is because uh, we've Already seen Grimes as somewhat Of a butler so you know The title probably needs to go back to Grimes and finish it I, And and just you know it, As funny as it's been You don't want to overstay your welcome and it's not going to be funny much longer when it's 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 just it's hard to beat the original. It always has, even in movies. Sequels are really never do the original justice. And I think the more segments we get out of this, the the it's going to start becoming annoying, and we're going to get let's just wrestle. So let's finish this up and let Grimes win this at Takeover. Gigi Dolan, who uh, gosh, I got some Becky Lynch feels from her, huh? Good right, for just her. like look yeah, good looks good. Um, gets a big win here, and they 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 like her. They have something with her because she's got a pairing um with Mandy Rose. They're teasing, so um, I liked a couple of the debuts here. We saw her, um, Boa. You know, he's he's he looked good. He and and it's a a new face, and it's someone that they um you know I I don't mind seeing new faces like this out here. He, he you know he's in great shape. We'll see well how the presentation is with May. Ying, Xia uh, Li was not around He gets a squash over Drake So we got a couple new faces on here I didn't have a problem with either of them That's kind of what we get from NXT every now and then I like seeing some some of the new faces like this Getting wins over maybe like enhancement talent Yeah, zero issues with this And, and good for Gigi Dolan Which everyone knows there is Pris- Priscilla Kelly On the indie circuit She, she deserves it um, Just really, really uh Talented, got a huge upside here. The one thing I really kind of questioned was I thought the semifinal uh, of the NXT uh, breakout tournament, Odyssey Jones and Baxter, I thought it was a little short for Three. a semifinal. You know, I think I, they just are really high on uh, on the winner. Yeah, I think that's, doesn't he look like the winner? He's a star, on, and, and the semifinal winner. I think it's going to be him and Hudson probably. 
I'd yes. imagine because I think Hudson's in the other semifinal, but yes. this guy feels like a star. I agree with you in that from a tournament standpoint, I didn't love it because when you get to the semifinals, you want the matches to go a little bit longer. But I just think they look at this guy. I think, I think he's a winner. And they feel like he's a star. Um, and he is. He he just he's got life and energy to him after the after the match. He cuts a promo. He's trying to get the crowd into it, and he just yeah, he's got a little a little something to him. Um, but so I like I agree exactly. I like him. I just didn't. This this felt like maybe something for round one or round two, not not your semifinal or your finals, right, of a tournament. Right. Yeah. And, and look, speaking of fantastic promos, uh, that prime target, uh, Joe and Cross. Uh, if that doesn't that package, get you, yeah, man, that's really good. We you talked about it last week. They they are look. We we give them hell for a lot of things, and they rightfully so. One thing we don't give them hell about because they don't need it. We it's nothing but praise. Are these packages, man? Excellent stuff. Really good stuff. Yeah, there was there. You know what? There were a lot of things on the show that I liked um, too. The Cole O'Reilly stuff. What Cole do you think? Just so that? good. What 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 do you think the out? Uh, of course, it's going to all three, right? It's best two yeah. out of three. Cole's got to win. If he's going up to the main roster, I think he should win and say, "I'm done. I've done everything I need to do here and move up." And you this is your main event, right? Yeah. For takeover. Yeah, this is your main event. This has got to be the main event, I think. And I I like this a lot. And even I thought even O'Reilly was good in this. You know what? He did as best that he can. He's good. He's he in a situation like this where he can feed off of Cole. Or feed off of somebody He's better than just going out there himself And cutting a sort of like a wandering promo Yes um, yep. So I mean I'm pumped for that um, We got the the cool little um, Hit row with the bonfire That yep. that looked cool Great they were just like, That's a good it, promo Yeah good stuff um, They have a way of being You know edgy without crossing the line too, or without you know Going too offensive, Max Caster. Um, but uh, they, I, I like them. I like what. So there's a lot again on this show. A lot of positives throughout the show. Uh, Champa and Thatcher. They talked about Pete Dunn and Ridge Holland. So this will probably be some guys that Ridge can can maybe beat and look strong along the way. That's a, a guy that you and I think pretty highly of. Um, Odyssey Jones looks like a star. Boa looks fine a, a fun debut there And and then we had the main event Which was like an an Excellent match But the, the, the ending And the booking at the end was a little bit head scratching I, I didn't like it It just felt It felt real as you said It, it felt main roster WWE yep. The match was a banger as the young kids say I, I just don't know why you needed Pete Dunne unless Pete Dunne's getting involved In this match On TakeOver and I don't know why he would But maybe he is Maybe he's getting involved in it But it, it, it's a weird way to get involved When your challenger uh, Just loses uh, a, 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 What a week and a half before uh, oh, yeah. Big pay per view Didn't like it Love the match. Didn't didn't like how it was executed. So we get over to NXT, or excuse me, we we finish with NXT. We get over to AEW, and um, at the beginning of AEW, it is MJF, and he's telling Jericho that uh, you know we he's already defeated you twice, and it's got to be bothering you. And he's there with Wardlow. We said this is going to be the biggest test so far for you. And then he he does make a little crack. 
Wardlow says he's definitely going to beat Jericho and, and MJF says you mean like you beat Cody in the cage <laughs> <laughs> So it sort of teased a little bit of maybe some dissension between the two um, but, but a little promo to start which I liked And and then quickly they announce wow Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage at All Out September 5th Cage is number one ranked and currently undefeated So and what did, is did, going did, on with this one okay. help me out here because i've got a i've got all kind of things going on as do you is kenny omega and christian cage not only going to be at aew all out right for it's, the are, are, is it on tv next week for the impact title on friday this friday this oh friday and so think about think about how crazy this is the first episode of your brand new TV show, the first thing that people are going to see when they turn on is the Impact Championship being defended. <laughs> like, and that's what people were saying. Could you imagine you you're, you want to get some people after SmackDown to tune over? So, what if you're getting a WWE fan who doesn't watch and they hear about this new Rampage show? They saw a commercial. They heard people buzzing about it. They'll maybe see a Punk's going to be there in the next couple of weeks. What are we going to do? And they took the Impact titles being defended. Huh? And let me tell you something really interesting that I found out before uh, we started this this week in wrestling. I it, it was I was issued I was sent a press release and uh, I googled it real quickly just to confirm. I think Nielsen is suspending their television ratings for a while. They're not going to release numbers. They were asked a couple of weeks ago from the television industry that. You need to be. You need to go under audit and this stuff. So, Gino, I'll send it to you. Uh, I don't think we're going to get ratings for a while, number wise. So, if that's the case, that's going to be really, really interesting. I I don't understand. Um, okay, now let's say because the fans are going to like pop for something, that doesn't mean it's good. No, I'm, and that that's where we need to get. Thank and that's saying- where we need to kind of. Get get something across because that means in WWE, that means in independent wrestling, New Japan. Like, yes, you want to get your fans over. Like, you want to get something over in front of your fans. The point is to elicit a reaction. But if you have a fan base that's going to pop for everything, then I'm sorry. I'm like every story isn't incredible. That just means that they're going to pop for everything, no matter what. They now, booed. Him. They booed Christian. They booed this. And I don't understand how or in any way, shape, or form how or why this makes sense. And even <laughs> if they do something where it comes back afterwards, isn't the point of building stories to build them to your biggest show? Isn't that all out? Yes. Isn't that their biggest show? Yes. Isn't this like the two-year anniversary of this and their company, everything starting, page in the in the title of the main event of the first show? And and now, like, there's no some, need to even try why, to swerve this. Why are you going to elongate that story? That story was so perfect. We had been talking about how for a while they had been putting it off. They had been putting Kenny with other contenders in matches that we knew he wasn't going to lose. Orange Cassidy, Jungle Boy. Uh, they kept having stringing the stuff along with Moxley a little bit, even longer than it had to be. We knew that wasn't going to 
there was going nowhere. And the story they were telling with Paige in the Dark Order was fine. It was great. We we liked it. It was funny. But but it was like okay, perfect. Now they're gonna elevate him back up. They did. Everything was great. He wins that tag. They win that tag. He wins the title. It's perfect. I don't get. I, I'm looking I, at my notes, Gino. Was I he just don't even, get it. Was he seen on the show? No, Wednesday no night? he wasn't. Okay, no, he wasn't. And so. so and so I don't get. Some people say. Okay, maybe it's going to be full gear where he went. Why? Why, why do you extend it? So now, why? Wh- maybe he wins it at a rampage or dynamite. But why wouldn't you tell the story to peak there? When you, when we watch TV shows, stories don't peak in like episode two of the third season. They peak at the end <laughs> of a season, and then so, there's a cl- you know like there's a big show. That's when the big thing happens. That's let, not let, even a let, WWE thing. That's a Texas wrestling thing. That's an independent wrestling thing. That's just <laughs> that's a it's an entertainment thing. I let, don't get let me this. get this straight. Let me get this straight. I, I'm not smart. I think I am, but I, I'm not smart. So Christian is getting an AEW world title shot at all out. They had told you at the beginning of the show, and he brought what Jurassic Express came out with him. Was that yep. too? Somebody helped come out with him yeah. when the when the booze and CM Punk and the fans start chanting CM Punk okay. and Jungle Boy makes a face like oh and, and now he's opening the new show with uh, and so the, if he wins he if he wins that match and Kenny Omega loses doesn't it take something away with, from because Kenny Omega doesn't lose and then he you never have loses. and then you still have an AEW guy with the Impact title. And like, what? Why does a? Why does Impact care if Christian gets their title? And they're, they're going and to not have one of their own. Scott Demore come over there. Who, if you're not familiar with Impact, executive producer of Impact Wrestling, he's going to help call this this match. Boy, they better be glad Nelson ratings are suspending their ratings because I, I don't know about this man. Well, I, I, I just I don't, I don't get what this. I, is, I just this it doesn't sport. make any sense to me. Now the only here here's one thing that. I want to mention because if this is the reason, then then there's not there are rumors that you know the page and his wife are expecting a kid. Okay. And and if that's the case, that he himself is needing time off or is it took time off and they couldn't tell this story and have it peak it all out, then I get that. Right? If it's if it's something that is is one on the wrestler themselves, then what what can you do, right? It's like if it's if an athlete gets hurt or they're not available to play. So then then I can understand not peaking the story at all out. But that is the only explanation that I I would be that would make sense to me. Because why otherwise would you sidetrack the hottest storyline in your company when you don't know if a it's ever going to be as hot, b you're bringing in a bunch of these other new stars. What if in a few we, like weeks Malachi Black is even hotter and everybody wants to see him more? What if I mean you you don't you don't know what if Bray Wyatt comes into the mix here? Who knows? Like what if Paige gets hurt and you never got the chance to tell that? I just think you you don't get opportunities where people are as hot naturally as Paige just was. And to me to like not run with that, I I can't I don't understand because you you will try a lot to fabricate that or to create that buzz for someone, and a lot of times you can't. Um, people will still get crazy excited when Paige wins eventually, but why wouldn't you tell it to peak at your biggest story, at your he, biggest show? I mean, I guess it doesn't matter now. He wasn't even he wasn't on the show at all. You know, no, and, 
and it's just so if Omega beats Christian, why the hell do we care about seeing them in the in the in the uh, again? In the, gonna, you don't think Omega's losing Friday night, so and gonna, and if there's a schmoz, like why why have the schmoz? Why have some sort of a surprise? If people, you know, I, some oh, there's people gonna have said, you know, what if Paige ends up getting the title shot somehow, some way? Okay, cool, but why did you have to get cute with this and not just? It's a, it was a simple story. Why didn't yeah, you just have him be the number one contender and then build it up for three more weeks? Like there's this no, wasn't there's no a story. Wins on you, Friday on no, and, and if he zero. does, that is a terrible call. Yes. If he wins in any way by schmoz, by anything that does not make sense because you've been building Kenny as this unbeatable guy for someone to come in and beat. I don't, I don't get that at all. I, I really don't. No. I feel like this is if if Scott Demore is over there calling the match. I smell shenanigans to begin with. You're going to have some impact guys maybe come over uh, and get involved in that match again. You you had impact tag team titles defended on this damn show. I love the Good Brothers. Don't give a shit about the impact tag team titles on AEW. I like Impact. So we got, uh, we got that we, again. It was that. It was. The Impact World Title, Impact Tag Titles, and we're getting promos cutting about the NWA champion, Women's Again, Championship. There was so many promos and segments on this show. There were six matches. Let's see. With the opening promo, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's uh, noticeable. Don't, and don't count Britt because she was in ring. Uh, Camille, QT Marshall. We got Paul White that finally came back. Um, and we got an elevation recap with Joey Janela turning on Sonny Kiss. No one cares. No one cares. So I, I just look. I like Impact. There's some guys and girls that I really, really like on Impact. I like Matt Cardona. I like Steve Macklin. I like Deanna Perazzo. But putting the Impact Tag Team Titles on AEW or the Impact World Title uh, match with Christian Cage on uh, your, your opening match on your first ever show. Is bizarre. That That's is not, definitely yeah. bizarre. Really weird. Um, major positive, man. This kid, Otto Ma- Martin, Dante, Dante Martin, Martin yeah. twenty years old. This dude feels like a star. They treated him like a big deal. Actually, they gave him a lot in this. Like he he looked like he was being like built to be a contender for Omega, but he is twenty years old. He was. Excellent. So major shout to him. Uh, check the opener out. It was a lot of fun, and the crowd's really into him, and they were giving him a lot. Um, yeah, a little more with Christian. We talked uh, about that angle. We got a video package for Malachi Black. See, see like I, I'm fine with if you don't have room or anything great for Malachi right now because he just had the hot stuff with Cody. Package for him, that's fine. Even Miro. Like the the thing that what I, I want them to at least be on my TV. I'd like to see. Them be big pieces and if you don't Have a whole lot for them just Don't make me forget about them I, I, I wish I could argue Sometimes with you Chino right? um, It's simple I, though it's simple it, it, and it's, it's good simple. It's fine I'm not, I'm not following him to Monday or Tuesday night I will follow him to Friday night I will follow yep. some of these guys and girls to Friday night I'm not following them to Monday or Tuesday Yeah, it, it, It's not And look kudos that, that Doing a, a, a AEW Dark Elevation recap uh, 
that's something probably you should have done a long time ago with some of these new people. But if you're going to have guys work these style matches like Dante Martin, Martin, it's like Ricochet. Put the guy, put them on TV. Don't make me chase them to have to look on YouTube. Because I'm not agreed. Completely agree. And if you're going to have a recap from something, I want it to be a recap for something that's going to be on this show, right? Like if you're recapping something that happened with people that are on this show or a match, that's fine. Show me what happened when the good brothers were on dark last week, but because the good brothers are on coming up next, if it's for someone that's not on the show, I don't care. Like you said, why would I care? It's not even like really relevant. I mean, um, Joey Janela hasn't been on AEW television, what, and I don't know how long. Maybe Sunny, maybe Sunny Kiss has, but nobody cares. Nobody really does. I'm sorry. They don't. People are super high on this Daniel Garcia, and I agree, man. He's got, like, a presence to him. He had a really good match with Darby. He's been yes. good the, yeah. the last couple weeks. They've got him kind of packaged with 2.0 um, here. Who Those guys are fun. They're having a little fun the immediately. <laughs> they come out, yeah, like jobbers to the stars. They come out and they're gonna have a match against Sting soon. So good for them to be uh, getting on TV. But th- this guy, Daniel Garcia, is uh, is really good. So hey, we got to see some youngsters that are, uh, you know, th- he's got like a presence to him, and he's fine on the, he's good on the mic. I think he's like twenty two. Also, yeah, that's so another some- name that they've been pushing before this match. What did you think? I think it was before this match of the Miro. Uh, segment with Fuego de Sol, where if you win, you get an AEW contract. I, d- I don't like those. Con- I hate them. If, if if as long as he doesn't win, I'm okay with it. But then yeah, you feel I'm, bad I'm, for the guy for not getting the contract. It's like, <laughs> oh, I don't want this guy to not be getting a job. But Miro shouldn't be losing no. right now no, 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 to no. anyone in any situation. When he loses, it should be to if it's Darby that you want to win the title back. Or somebody that you're going to put the rocket behind Like he's he's in the top tier now He should not be losing To random matches like this So it it's weird They kind of put They feel like they booked themselves into a corner here right It's like <laughs> you either have Miro lose Which is not good Or you have a poor guy that's like Oh yeah we're not signing you <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't think I think this is a squash. Look, yeah. you're on an hour, right? On Friday night, and you've got uh, the women's world title. It's probably uh, that's it, the main event, main event right? right? They said that they're they're starting the show with Omega and with Christian. So I, that's got to be it. That's like the three. Yeah, you know, I get much. No, um, look, looks like uh, they're building. The Chris Statlander as possible uh, next contender, someone to feed to Britt. It's like. She's fine, but it does feel like there's such a drop off behind Britt, who comes out and she cuts this incredible promo. She talks about Pittsburgh. She looks great. She's got the the yellow and black on the Steeler stuff. Everybody's waving the towels all over the place, and and then you know she cuts this great promo, and at the end, Red Velvet comes out um, and attacks. And I like Red Velvet. And Jade Cargill, they they obviously feel like Jade still needs some work because we haven't seen her quite as much. But like Red Velvet, Statlander, Nyla, Sheeta, they all just feel yeah, such it's like Thunder Rosa. That's Thunder- it. And we've seen that before. Multiple yeah, they, we've already jumped the shark there, right? They yeah, feel a couple seen- low. Just yeah. they need like a Ruby Riot would be a good new face. Yeah, to come in, fantastic she, new face because she would feel. I I I, I don't like. Saying this because it's, a lot of it's how you're presented But 
I mean, there are 10 women on the WWE main roster that you would feel like you could slot in as a as a more legitimate contender to put in a match with Brit than any one of those girls oh, that I just mentioned. Of, shoot, probably 20. I mean, think you about could, your whole women's roster on Monday night, like Nia yeah. or Shayna, either of them, Alexa, you know, like a Naomi, someone like that. Any of the three women that are in the title picture right now on the on the Raw side, then on the SmackDown side, same thing there. Tony Storm just came in; she would be one that you could absolutely do the same thing. Even as Zelina Vega, like Gino, we haven't seen in a couple of weeks, which is uh, scaring to me. I don't like because uh, we were excited. We got a vignette from her. We got a match, and then no Tony Storm. So hopefully. Maybe it's like uh, they get, they teased us with her a little bit, and then maybe they're gonna get her like a after SummerSlam a big push. Probably, probably that, so. Look, and I'm okay with that. If you're not gonna put them, you know, if there's no spot for them, and we're just we're just pushing for a storyline, I guess that's what we're gonna get for Hangman Page until All Out, right? We're not gonna see him. So Good Brothers end up winning. The match is fine. The tag match, it's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah and, and and the the Dark Order guys are actually super over, and they've gotten a lot better in the ring. Like they have a lot of fun with their matches. Um, one thing that I thought was really kind of weird on this show was Tony Schiavone with his son. So, like at the very beginning of the 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 show, Tony mentions that his son was traveling with him, and then QT comes out for this apology that was like pushed back three weeks, and and then we've never seen anything with Tony's son, Ever. and then all of a sudden they beat him up and. And if this is a way you want, like, to big show Paul White to come out, okay. But it's like, no. Cody just made this group of guys look like nothing. Um, I I understand the big show coming out to save his like announced partner angle. That's something that they've done in wrestling forever, way back to Rowdy Piper doing that stuff. You know, when he was a heel turn, and I, I just this just felt really weird to it me. It just kind of like. It felt like there was like a week or two of stuff that we missed. Like we it missed. just like escalated. Yes. There was an episode, right? That was like on TV. <laughs> it was like or something like we, we didn't get introduced to this kid at all. We didn't get a reason to like feel bad for him. We just saw him getting his butt kicked. I I I've just look, I've never been a big fan of bringing kids, um, uh, families into it. I understand it's been the age old storyline. And the good gimmick there to, to use in wrestling, and it kind of seems more personal. It does it now, not in 2021. I, I really don't think it's a way to get anybody over. I don't think it's a way to get anyone to get heat. Uh, it really didn't do anything when we saw the Mysterio family. Remember when the daughter was uh, was chasing Buddy Murphy and vice versa? It really doesn't do a whole lot to you, uh, or do does a whole lot to the fan. Even I don't know. It just seems weird. And I was, I'm like. First of all, I, I have no idea. This is the first time I didn't know he had a son, you know, uh, and, and why put him in a I don't know. That's the thing with AEW. It just seems like, hey, everybody's here tonight for the show. Let's let's do this. He's hey, your son's here, right? Like your daughter's here. I don't know. It just again, it felt like a clunk. There was some nowhere. It just came out of nowhere and just clunky, really clunky. And we finish up with uh, the main event with Jericho in the uh, the labors of Jericho. This was labor number four. And Wardlow looks fine, right? Like he looks good in there. Jericho is playing the like he's really tired and um, he doesn't have a whole lot of energy left. Um, we knew what was going to happen here. Um, Jericho ends up getting the win, the baseball bat. 
So Floyd the Bat. I think it's Floyd, Floyd's his name. Floyd <laughs> is the name of the bat. So Jericho gets the win, and then uh, after MJF comes out and says, "Now um, for their match, the stipulation will be Jericho." The only thing I don't like about this, and and, and I get when they're doing it because they he said no <laughs> Judas, the no Judas effect. You don't get to use the move. Or the song. song. You don't have you don't get your song. And so we know it's gonna happen. The crowd's gonna sing this damn song and when it when he comes out, everyone's gonna be singing it together, which will be a cool moment. It'll be a cool spot. The only thing that sort of bothers me in like a I mean, Jericho only started using this move recently. Like right? his entire career, he's won every other match with the walls of Jericho, Jericho. Lion Tamer, or or the 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 lion salt, even some with the code breaker. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. he's so he's a guy that's got like a million different. It's this isn't like like someone who you solely know as winning with their with their one move, you know, and they've never won in any other way. So I thought that's a little bit funny. But are, are you okay? Are you okay with it being next week? That is bizarre to me. They built this whole thing up. We just assumed it was going to be it all out, and so now it's like. This match, wh- whether or not all of these labors have lived up to the billing or been, you know, I've been entertained by this. It's been right. Yes, it's been that, new. so. Even, even the, the except except the gauge thing made me makes me roll my eyes. I, it's, it's too yes. much for me. But like, I, I I enjoy what they were trying to do here. It was different. I, I would much prefer this than seeing raw rematches over and over again. Um. But the two the the two things I was probably the most excited about in this company were Omega Page and this at All Out, and now we're not going to get either of those. It looks like at All Out, <laughs> so I don't like if they want to make sure that their TV continues to get a lot of people tuning in on Wednesdays and Fridays. Then I understand what they're doing, but why? Like I don't have any really reason. Like fifty bucks to pay for the pay per view now. Um, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I think about that and it's like. A lot of people, I wonder if they'll they'll have a bad taste in their mouth if if we don't get a couple of those big big storylines kind of paid out at that pay per view. But again, they're just sort of coasting on the fact that we everybody's like knows. Tony Khan even said, "Well, everybody knows what's going to happen the second week of Rampage." Uh, CM Punk has come out and denied it, but sort of like. You know, he said like he's going to be doing a and a for the TV show Heels, which actually comes out this weekend. We right. have to t- talk about that next week if it's uh, if it's any good. Um, so there's a lot going on with them. I just hope that they don't get too starry eyed in AEW because that was all that was exactly what a company that wanted to be an alternative from WWE didn't like about WWE going after the stars, bringing back a lot of the old. And not that Daniel Bryan and Punk are just old, but the pages of the world were like you had this homegrown guy who just seemed so over, so hot, like perfect time for him to take the title. Who cares if Punk and Bryan are coming in? Like they can have a match against Kenny Omega that's not for the title. That match could be awesome. It doesn't have and to be I, for the title. And I like, wonder what change it, what game plans are changed if this these Nelson ratings do stay on a hiatus for a certain amount of time, right? Because the long story short of it is the industry wanted, you know, there's got to be accountability. You need to be audit audited. Who knows if the, if this show got this or blah, blah, blah. So does this do game plans change at all? Now, do they start pivoting? Cause this was, this was announced today. Um, 
Probably not. There's probably less risk you have to take, but it did feel like the Jericho uh, Jericho MJF, it felt like this was rushed through pretty quick. Um, I, we can't have another MJF Jericho match it, it all out. We just can't. This has no. to fit. And I don't want, like, I don't need the schmozzy stuff to add, to lead to another match. That's WWE or old WCW stuff. And that's what we didn't want from them. Like, right. like clean finishes. So I like, I'm, I will say this. I'm very intrigued by what they're going to do this week on Friday at impact. I don't think eat. I just don't think it's a good idea. Even if you're going to try to write Christian off TV, let's say there's like an injury angle. He gets, he, let's say he wins the, he loses this match and he's like, Beat up by the elite and then he can't be In that title match so Kenny ends up saying I have no Challenger so then It ends up being Paige or Punk Or whoever but why did you have To get cute I think it's yeah. just Too convoluted like you've got These simple storylines Omega Paige boom That does it for itself like it's like It's like Drew And gender and then you go get the sword like, why not just talk about how these guys were buddies and stuff? Like, why are we making this harder than it is? I don't, you know, you've got simple, simple things. Don't make it harder than it is. Um, I will say I'm very intrigued, though, and I'm curious where they go. There's going to be even more wrestling to talk about next week, Chad Cooper, <laughs> on this week in wrestling. So we'll have a double dose of Friday night. We'll have some Wednesday with AEW. We'll have Monday and Tuesday with Raw and with NXT. We'll see what continues to happen with NXT and all the rumors there. Make sure to give Chad a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter, on Instagram. Any last uh, minute thoughts before we uh, we let you go, buddy? Just been an interesting week and it, it, you know, we didn't mention it uh cuz there was tons and tons of news, but uh, a guy that I watched wrestling uh, growing up, uh, especially here in the Mid-South, uh uh passed away, uh beautiful Bobby Eaton. Oh, uh, great. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. One half of the Midnight Express and uh a hell of a solo a singles wrestler too. He was uh he was uh, one of the original members him and Dennis Condry. I saw so many wars, scaffold, the rock and rolls in them, huh? Rock and roll, and you know, and, and when Jimmy Cornette and the and the uh, tennis racket, but he had been having a lot of health issues, uh, health issues, and he passed. And I saw that the wrestling community was uh, was rallying behind uh, his family. Uh, but lo- again, lost another good one. He he was one that uh, you know kind of made the transition to WCW back when the territories were going away and developed into a, a, a pretty salty single ru- singles wrestler. So RIP, beautiful Bobby Eaton. Chad, my friend, you have a, a great weekend. Thank you so much for jumping in and uh, look forward to it. These next couple of weeks are going to be fun. We got new show, possibly Punk and Daniel Bryan coming in the mix, SummerSlam, NXT, uh, just a, as crazy and as packed and honestly as fun of a, a couple fun. of weeks. Coming up in wrestling as as we've had in years Hey if we didn't have a lot to complain about What fun would it be Exactly exactly <laughs> So lots of good lots of bad all over the place Each and every week and you're going to hear What we think is the good what we think is the bad Right here on uh, this week in wrestling With Chad Cooper on that's what G said Thank you so much Cooper Loop talk again next week Buddy you got it bud don't go anywhere, folks. Make sure to give Chad a follow there. You can follow along with uh, everything that he's got going on. You get some great pictures from Chad, too, and some of his escapades as he's a fantastic photographer there. So uh, great insight, as always, from Mr. Cooper. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more on That's What She Said.
And that's going to do it for another episode of That's What She Said Podcast. Big thank you to Eric. Remember, if you missed our uh, AFC previews, we've got those on uh, an episode of That's What She Said Podcast from last week. So we've got every team in the NFL previewed now for you, AFC and the NFC. Friday Racing from Saratoga and Del Mar. Don't forget about that live stream. Check it out at It's Me, Gino B on Twitter. If you follow me on Facebook, you can get it there or over on YouTube also. We're going to go through the full card for Friday Delmar at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And then Saturday, Saratoga, Delmar, and Arlington. Big thank you to Chad Cooper for helping us out with wrestling one more time. That does it for this episode, folks. Have a great weekend. Hope you make a ton of money. We'll be back again with you next week.